last day, Hogan. You want a last meal? You better hurry up and order. Order, order, order. We cannot coexist in this planet, Hogan. against the wall. That makes me very dangerous and very angry. And Hogan, it's gonna be survival of the fittest. <laughs> it's three levels. It's four tiers. And there's not a seat to be found in Tupelo. Welcome to the second annual WCW Adventure. And for the next two plus hours, you're gonna see some of the most shocking, some of the most uncensored wrestling action you'll see anywhere or have seen anywhere in the entire world. Welcome to World Championship Wrestling, where the big boys play. And tonight, ladies and gentlemen, where the big boys fight, it is totally uncensored. Hello again, and welcome to another edition of the Retro Wrestling Podcast. I'm intern Alex, joined as always by... The one and only, the greatest referee in professional wrestling history, Patrick Young. Yes, Patrick, and we are back once again to discuss an old pay-per-view. An oldie and a not-a-goodie. It's Uncensored 1996. I love this pay-per-view. But before we get into Uncensored 1996, we will talk a bit about current wrestling. What have you got for us this week, Patrick? Um, Well, first of all... Kickstarting, WWE announces that the Royal Rumble is going to be back at the Alamo Dome. Is that where it was this past year? No. The Royal Rumble 97 took place in the Alamo Dome, and it hasn't been there since. Really? Yes. Actually, Actually, no pay-per-view has took place there since. What happened in 1997? When was the last time they were there? 97. 90, yeah. What were they there for? 96, actually. 96 going into 97, right around there. It was there for the Royal Rumble. It was when uh, you had Shawn Michaels beat Psycho Sid for the title. You had the build-up for WrestleMania 13 with Austin and Bret Hart, and Austin won the title, or won the Royal Rumble. Oh, yeah, this, yeah, going into the Final Four. Going into the Final Four, right. Wow. Going into our very first podcast. It all comes together. It does. So the Alamo Dome. Yes. Let me look up the uh, seating. So I didn't know it was still standing, actually. Oh, no, they still use it a lot there. The Alamo Dome can hold 72,000 people, Patrick. That's a pretty big place. San Antonio still loves the Alamo Dome. They've been trying to get an NFL team there for years. When the uh, New Orleans Saints, during Hurricane Katrina, they played some of their home games at the Alamo Dome, and they actually wanted the Saints to move to uh, San Antonio, but that never happened. The Spurs actually played their first nine seasons in the NBA in that giant venue. I bet that looked kind of embarrassing. Right. That's a big place for a basketball game. And currently, the University of San Antonio Roadrunners play football there. And that's the only... Oh, and the Alamo Bowl is held there. So, probably 20 events a year, I guess. But now they get Royal Rumble. That'll 
They'll pack it out. They will. Texas is a great place for pro wrestling. Always and has been. I'm making it official now. We're going to see a John, a, uh, a Shawn Michaels sighting at Royal Rumble in the Alamo Dome this year. Well, especially now that he, he works for NXT. He took uh, Billy Gunn's job. He did take, yes. That's some behind-the-scenes news. Or that is Bill true. DeMott's job, one of the two. He's a trainer now. They must have backed up the Brinks truck to pay him because Sean seemed pretty much content to just hunt out in his woods in the middle of Texas. Yeah. Uh, have you watched any of his show? No, McMillan I've never watched. River Adventures. I love McMillan. What it's does a, he do? It's it's a hunting show. It's him. That would bore me. Sorry. No, it's, I mean, it's hunting, going fine. out there hunting. Hunting I could get some enjoyment out of maybe, but watching it, no, it's a lot like golf. It's a tough sell for me. It's, I mean, for non-hunting fans, it is kind of, yeah. But that's the same thing I'm sure people feel about pro wrestling. It's a tough sell, a tough watch. Especially if they watch WCW Uncensored 1996, for instance. This was a great pay-per-view. Okay. (laughs) Anything else you got? PWI came out and said that Roman Reigns is their number one in their top 500 this year. Well, to be fair, Pro Wrestling Illustrated, PWI, has always been... For a long time, I think they, they didn't break kayfabe in their magazine. So it's really just... Well, it got not, people talking about PWI for the first time in many, many years. So. It, it has. and But PWI is one of the original, if not the original, wrestling magazine. I mean, it's been around... Well, it's about f- the only one left. Too. Yeah, it's been around for a long time. I get my annual subscription in the mail, so... Now, do you agree that he's the number one? No, not a Why? chance. Um... There's way too many people. Patrick, he just headlined WrestleMania. He had he just there's, sold out AT and T Stadium. Patrick, he also just failed a drug test. But that was probably done after. I don't know what the the calendar year PWI looks at. But if you look at the calendar year that they probably looked at, you got up also, until that. You got also, he had the greatest year of any pro wrestler on the same card as Roman Reigns winning the WWE title. We have John Cena. And AJ Styles putting on a unbelievable match. That didn't happen at WrestleMania. That was at no. SummerSlam. That was at SummerSlam. But you still. had Chris Jericho beat AJ Styles at WrestleMania. Right. But I mean, so you're putting. That's what I'm saying. You're, you have AJ Styles. We talked about it. I still think AJ and Kevin Owens are step for step as being the best in professional wrestling right now. Yeah, I would agree that AJ Styles is the best in the world at this moment, but in the year that they looked at, AJ took some time off between New Japan and WWE, so that kind of went against him. But he had great matches in New Japan and then came to WWE and Right. So at first so I can see I can see why they would say Roman Re- he was definitely booked to be the best wrestler in the world. So And he's not. Well but like I said, this the PWI thing's a work, man. The whole the list is a work. It's I like just, to believe that it's actually real. So well, it's you know, still real to you. It's still real to me, damn it. I mean, if they were looking at actually, you know, basing it on performances, yeah, AJ Styles would be up there, Nakamura would be up there, Samoa Joe, Finn Balor, all those guys would be in the top five. But right. it's probably not like that. I didn't see the rest of the list. I just I that. just I saw the, the few. I think AJ was in the top ten. Uh, I think Kevin Owens might have been just slightly outside of the top 10 i'm not one of them sure i can't remember off the top of my head and then there are guys that you know i just don't follow that closely a lot of the guys in new japan now or a lot of ring of honor guys or tna guys i just don't know enough about them to be yeah. able to rank them uh, well i mean every, they're throwing in ring of honor they're throwing everything at adam cole 
I mean, they're putting well, the, he's company, the, face of the company. They are putting yeah. the company on his back and uh, and carrying Ring of Honor with Adam Cole right now. And, uh, and Jay Lethal, for that matter. That well, matter. he just now finally dropped the title after like two yeah. or three years of being the champ. Yeah. And uh, I would love to see before it's over with Jay Lethal in WWE. I am I think Jay Lethal is extremely underrated. He's fine, but I the reason AJ didn't end up in the WWE like years ago is because they just wouldn't know how to use him. Right now, they've got guys on their roster like a Cesaro, a Sami Zayn. If I have my pick, I'm going to go with Jay Lethal over Cesaro any day of the week. I know, but I'm just saying there are guys on the roster that they don't know what to do with, and you're talking about bringing in a guy that who's if, the world champ. If you give him creative control, which is very, we don't want to, not to Hogan's extent, but just say, here's a live microphone, do your thing, just give him some points, then I, Jay Lethal is an unbelievable I mean, he could run with pretty much anybody in WWE. Well, here's the reality. If he came in, he would be booked as the fourth member of the New Day. Oh, yeah. So that's I mean, why That's why I don't think And it's you a, know what's sad is you're not joking. I mean, that is realistically 100% what they would do to him. And uh, it's sad. I mean, they've gotten better about when they bring in new talents not doing that with NXT and everything else. They, they give them a chance to, to build a character and stuff. Or like Anderson and Gallows and AJ, they just let them come in and just be their same characters. Right. So they've gotten better about it, but still, if I was Jay Lethal, also working in Ring of Honor, he can still work indie shows and still make a ton of money on the side. The money, honestly, is probably just as good to be Jay Lethal because he still has the ability to go overseas, work indie shows, sell his own merch. He can do... They pay for his airfare, his hotel. That's something WWE still doesn't do. They're hitting on the club benefit and uh, and they're trying to kill it, but yet it still is out there when they separated AJ from Gallows and Anderson. But you also got Finn Balor now, who's on the main roster. I see an NWO-type deal with the club, and they bring Adam Cole over. Uh, that could be a couple of years from now, but I just I see that being a work into getting Adam Cole into WWE. Yeah, one day. One day. Because I don't see Adam Cole ending his career in Ring of Honor. Yeah, well, I'm not sure he's ready for the big time yet, though. I'm not that familiar with his work. He's but pretty good. Yeah. He's pretty good. Uh, on another note, uh, I don't normally spotlight stuff that much, but on WWE.com, they did put out, where are they now, Ted DiBiase Jr. He's a friend of mine who is running a camp in called Twin Lakes in Jackson, Mississippi. And uh, it's for inner, it's a Christian camp for inner-city kids. It's, uh, it's not just for inner-city. I mean, it's for anybody. But it's um, it's great for, for kids out there who want to go, um, even just as a summer camp type deal. It's a uh, sports, unbelievable, male, female, whatever. Every Saturday night he does have pro wrestling in the gymnasium there where he brings in all of his guys. He helps tremendously on uh, – with kids that have are battling issues like there's a on this spotlight they talk about a kid that uh lost his arm to cancer and john cena has a cameo in it and uh but yeah it's a great it's a it's a great cause um so check it out it's uh it's um heart of david is the missions it's twin lakes uh, camp in jackson mississippi if you feel free to go on there and watch it if you you know want to you know, 
if you can't even go down there, but you feel like, hey, this is a great opportunity, I, I want to stand behind this, you know, send him five bucks, something like that, just to kind of help get the, uh, keep that camp going because it's really, I mean, it is strictly all ran out of his pocket. To my knowledge, I could be wrong with that, but to, to my knowledge, it is ran strictly from his pocket. So it's a great cause and, uh, yeah, check it out, man. But that's... Yeah, another guy that WWE just sort of wasted. Yeah, I agree. Um, if they had left Randy Orton out of the legacy and just kept it, Cody Rhodes and Ted DiBiase Jr. Giving them more time. Giving them more time just together, they would. it would have been the two-man power trip all over again. They it might have been brought up too quickly as well. It would have been Austin and Triple H all over again with tag titles plus world title in Intercontinental or U.S. I mean, it... They would have ran with it. Yeah. Why do you think it just didn't work? They want to throw everything behind, at that time, behind Randy Orton. Because think about it, around that same time, he's got his dad and he's battling Undertaker. Oh, yeah, he got all the shine from the group. Around that time, it was all about Randy Orton. And uh, and had they took a step back, Randy Orton was going to was going to soar by himself. He really didn't need that. But had they took a step back and left it, kind of like the shield, Two guys coming in, you know of their legacy, hence the name, but you don't know of them. Had you left them alone, let them do what they were doing, and had a good two, three-year run, not just six months and throw Randy with them, a good two to three-year run, they would have owned SmackDown and Raw at the time. Well, they gave Ted a shot afterwards. You know, they brought in Virgil to help him out and everything, so. Yeah, and he had Maurice with him at one point in time. It just didn't work out. It, It didn't, and, uh... They actually... I think this is they, one one time where... Also, I mean, scripted promos don't help somebody like that. No. And, you know, and he talks about it. They offered him a five-year deal, making a lot of money. And uh, and Ted was like, I'm just, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm tired. I'm burned out. I've done the wrestling thing. I'm a wrestler at heart, yes, but there's more out there. And so it was his decision to walk away. Had he stayed, I could see him have gone to bigger and better things, but... Well, they can all. He can always come back one day. You know, never say never. Never say never in wrestling. That's our that's our motto here. So uh, the final thing I wanted to discuss uh, very quickly tonight is TNA's one of their two pay per views they do a year. It's Bound for Glory, and there were some questions as to whether Bound for Glory would even happen because they have reached a point. Finally, their breaking point almost where their finances are up. And they didn't know on Friday if they were going to have the pay-per-view tonight because they are out of money. And so this week was all talk of who's going to buy this company? Who are they going to sell it to? Who's going to buy it? Is Billy Corgan going to fork over the money? Are they going to find an outside investor? WWE was even in talks to finally buy TNA, which they would love to have that tape library on the network. The library would be awesome. I wouldn't give two flips for the equipment i would love to have just the library and the talent yeah they would love to have broken matt hardy right now one of the hottest wrestlers one of the hottest things going yeah they would love to have that well tonight is their pay-per-view sadly we are taping this prior to the pay-per-view but there's going to be some sort of announcement about who funded tonight's tapings and the rest of the tapings for impact will happen tomorrow and the rest of the week so they've apparently secured funding from from what i'm hearing is a third party not billy corgan or the wwe so we will find out well um, if you go on their website their website strictly is there's two things to click it's the list of the pay-per-view tonight or go and buy stuff go and buy our shop tnashop.com 
whatever. They don't have like they used to a couple of months ago where here's the roster of TNA or here's, you know, spotlighting. They have literally sunk to their lowest of lows, and they're, uh, they're hurting. Yeah, and the talk of WWE buying them, they would just wait for the company to go bankrupt and buy them in court for pennies on the dollar instead of it'll, paying whatever. It'll happen. I would love to have their library on the network because I would I'm too. greedy. I would too. But I never want any pro wrestling company to go out of business. I don't want people to lose their jobs or I, lose. I don't either. And, uh, I mean, like I said, we know my views on the, the Monday Night Wars. We saw what happened, yeah. Yeah. When I mean, and TNA was never on the same level as WCW as they a competitor. They tried. There was a few times they tried to go head-to-head Monday nights, and it yes. just it didn't work. The second Monday Night War, yes. Uh, and, the uh, the six-week war. We had the very first one, we have the return of Bret Hart after 12 yeah. years. How can you top that, first of all? Like, Vince pulled out all the stops to, hey, we're not even going there. We're not even trying this again. He shut them down before they even got started. So, yeah. Uh, even then, the product that TNA put out that night wouldn't have made anyone want to change the channel. I mean... well. And that was their problem all along is yeah. the way they booked the company. I mean, all the talent they had. They had Samoa Joe. They had Kurt Angle when he could still go. They had AJ Styles and the way that they would just book these guys. They just booked them like they wanted to be WWE instead of... When TNA got... When Dixie Carter and the Carter family took over and Jeff Jarrett and Jerry Jarrett weren't running TNA anymore is when TNA failed well creatively and from that point on there was it was a ship it was like the titanic how long do you ride it out till you jump ship or do you ride it till it sinks and that was kind of and that's what jeff hardy's done jeff hardy's rode it till it till it sunk (laughs) well yeah i mean well he had burnt several bridges at wwe before and uh and kurt angle for that matter and Kurt Angle could come back to WWE and do something like a general manager role or something. If you think about what TNA did, though, in the Impact Zone, having a central location to film their shows, it's the same thing that NXT does. They're was, based out of Orlando. It was two hours from here in Nashville. Well, yeah, originally when they were doing the, the weekly pay-per-views oh, for yeah, $15. Was, right, it was based out of Orlando. You're right. Yeah, well, when it got to Orlando... If they had turned it into something like NXT where it was more wrestling-based instead of, you know, all the silly stuff. All, all I can hope is, and this is a shot in the dark, is Jeff Jarrett gets... Buys it back. All, all, the, everything aligned perfectly and gets... Uh, global Force Global wrestling. Force back on the map. Don't I don't see that happening, but... Uh. Uh, I, if that is the only thing that's going to happen is if we get Global Force going, get Global Force. That is, that's right now, because you don't have, I mean, you have Ring of Honor, and this is not a knock to Ring of Honor because I will watch anything Ring of Honor puts out. I will be a part of anything Ring of Honor puts on. They're not trying to be a bigger company. They're not trying to be a bigger company. They want to be that NXT stepping stone. And that is completely fine. Yeah, or the bypass for some people. Right. And that is completely fine. You don't have anybody that can stand toe-to-toe with WWE. And because of that, it's hurting. Because there's a lot of talented wrestlers out there, a lot of guys that I know I have worked with in the ring that I have seen that I you should not be here. These fans who paid 15 bucks to see you tonight should be paying $60 to go and watch you in WWE. You are that good. But because there's only so many spots, they're stuck working indies. Yeah. Or they're stuck working, you know, legend shows. It's it's one of those things. Fred Yeti. Fred Yeti, a friend of mine, 
from here in Chattanooga, North Georgia area, Fred Yeti, who was actually a part of getting the uh, CWC Cruiserweight Classic going as being, uh, he almost made it to the final cut. Fred Yeti is the future of pro wrestling. Fred Yeti, if you've ever seen him, if you have been a part of the crowds that are like 10, 12, 15 people, or the crowds of like 3,000 people, Fred Yeti is an unbelievable indie wrestler. And Fred Yeti's going to be, he's, it's, a, it's a matter of time before he makes it to WWE. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of time. He will be there. That I mean, just like that, you know, these guys that are ready, able to, they don't, you know, there's only so many spots. Yeah. So, uh, so it'd be nice if TNA stuck around. It would. It'd be nice if it, you know, and if somebody, we're not asking for Donald Trump with Buku's money, but we're asking for somebody who is business savvy enough to say, hey, here's my pocketbook. Here's my wallet. Let's get somebody in here that knows what the hell they're doing. And let's make this thing really work. Yeah. Don't call Eric Bischoff again. Yeah. Let's, that Eric Bischoff is one of the most brilliant minds in pro wrestling. Hulk Hogan is one of the most brilliant minds in pro wrestling. When you put Hulk Hogan and Eric Bischoff in a wrestling company that is non-WWE, where they don't have to answer to anybody, they will kill the company. They'll get it pretty close. And they took a shot at killing WCW in 1996, March 24th, 1996 to be exact, in front of 9,000 fans at the Tupelo Coliseum in Mississippi. This is a small building. Oh, yeah. The triple cage almost hits the top of it the ceiling. It almost, it does. And I was looking when uh, when we first started. I remember watching this pay-per-view as a kid, and I loved it. And I hadn't, I haven't seen it literally in probably 15 years. And so this was the reason I picked it. I was, I'll admit, I kind of, I kind of sold you, sold you down the river on, on the fact that it's not as good as I thought it was. Well, it starts with the title, calling a pay-per-view uncensored. It's the ultimate, one of the ultimate bait and switch moves. Oh yeah. Though technically not untrue, because if you think about it, a G-rated movie, a Pixar movie is uncensored. Right. There's nothing to censor. That's why it's uncensored. Right. So it's not technically false to call your wrestling pay-per-view that, but doesn't that give you an ECW vibe that this is going to be extreme, that things are going to go crazy, Right. there's going to be blood and guts and naked women and everything else going on? Yeah. It makes you think, like, this is going to be, I got to buy this pay-per-view. And maybe they did in 1995, the first year, people would buy it, and then they would say, this is just a regular wrestling show. I'm never buying that again. But they kept doing this. They did this all the way until the year 2000. Yes. Uncensored was around, I mean, pretty much the entire hot area, the hot era, I mean, of WCW. So it's just funny to me that they call it uncensored and it's not gritty at all. It's not. This this pay-per-view was better than you, you could have. You have to admit, it was pretty good. It wasn't as as good, but it was... <sighs> I don't know about that, Patrick. We'll get with that on the rating scale later. Well, we start with dark matches. We didn't get to see these on the, on the network version. These were on main event on that Sunday night. The first match, Mr. JL defeated Dean Malenko in a cruiserweight title tournament match. What an upset, Patrick. That is an upset. Jerry Lynn in a mask defeated Dean Malenko in 3 minutes 20 seconds. Then we have Jim Duggan defeating... Big Bubba Ho. In, in three minutes and 20 seconds. That's a return match. They had a match earlier in the year. Was this Big Bubba? No, they had a match at World War Three. Was this Big Bubba when he was doing the Fallen Angel or the Dark Angel gimmick or whatever? It was basically he was an undercover cop. It was a ripoff of Big Boss Man, but it was when WCW had him 
at first. Yeah, I'm not quite sure if he even had a gimmick. I think he was just a guy. Did they finally just – this is when they finally just said he's Ray Trailer, go with it, big No, Bella. he wasn't Ray Trailer yet. Ray okay. Trailer was later on. This is this is right before he joined the Dungeon of Doom. He ran with the Dungeon of Doom for a little while. Right. And then he was just Ray Trailer. Okay. Because he tried to try, join the NWO. For non-wrestling fans out there who might listen, Ray Trailer was Big Boss Man's real name. Proceed. Then we had – Dirty Dick Slater defeating Alex Wright in a minute 55 squash match. And the main event for main event was the Steiner Brothers and the Nasty Boys fighting to a no contest in 5 minutes 19 seconds. Well, that was a that was a short no contest match. This match should have been on the pay-per-view because it could have cut some time out of the other matches. <laughs> and it would have been a better opener than the opener they chose. We'll talk about that in a minute. The pay-per-view opens with the movie guy voiceover. He features all the alliance to end Hulkamania, telling Hogan, it's all going to be all over soon, man. It is. The alliance to end Hulkamania, which... Hulkamania is dead after tonight. This storyline pretty much has been going on for nearly two years now. It's the Dungeon of Doom started a war with Hogan. Kevin Sullivan, in particular, started the war to end Hulkamania back in... Late 94, so he's still fighting to this end This was right after Hogan. I mean, this was his first big storyline when he... Because Kevin Sullivan's a huge Hulk Hogan fan. Well, and Kevin to Sullivan was, was Booker at Booker the time. man, yeah. yes. He had the pencil. So at one point in time, didn't they, they, shave, they shaved his, his... They shaved his mustache. They shaved his mustache. Yeah, last year, last year going into Halloween Havoc yeah. and World War Three, they shaved Hulk Hogan's mustache. Which because was, the giant had joined the Dungeon of Doom, right? And he actually at Halloween Havoc '95. We'll do that review another day. Hogan and and the giant had a monster truck sumo match. Yes, on the top of Kobo Hall. I love that. I'm sure you did. I did. And so this has been going on and on. Eventually, what has brought us to this match, this main event for this evening, is that the four horsemen have formed an uneasy alliance with the Dungeon of Doom. It's, it's there. It's shaky, but it's there. It's shaky. Because they don't like each other too much. No. But they have a common enemy, Patrick. And they're willing to join forces just long enough to... For one night. For that, yeah. As well as Lex Luger, who has sort of semi-joined the Dungeon of Doom as well. But he's still tag team champs with the face Sting. Yes. So he plays a dual character. He's a heel when he's not with Sting. So now he's joined the Alliance 10 to Hulkamania. As well as the final two members of the Alliance 10 Hulkamania. A blast from the past, Patrick... No Holds Barred, 1989. Z Gangsta. Better known as... Tiny Liston. Tiny Lister and Zeus. And Zeus. Zeus was his WWF name. So, of course, the WCW, they're very bad at na- renaming these guys from WCW. Z Gangsta. That's I the mean, best that, they could come up with. That's really the best they could come up with. Why not name him another like Roman or Greek god since his name was Zeus? So just pick out... Poseidon and give him a water gimmick or something. <laughs> and then we have, of course, the ultimate solution. The ultimate solution. I'm actually glad you, you hit is, on that. Let's go ahead and talk about that now because I have some little bit about which is him. Jeep Stinson. Jeep Stinson. Real name Robert. Robert yeah. Swanson. Or Jeep, Jeep Swanson, Jeep Swinson, Same, something like something that. Something like that. Yes, he was in played, No Holds Barred as well. Played Bane in uh, the Batman 90, and Robin. And Batman and Robin in 1997. As a matter of fact, that movie came out. He filmed it, did this pay per view, and died due to heart failure. So he never even got to see himself 
in the movie. I think he might have died after the movie. He died on August 18th of 1997. Yeah, the movie was out. It came out June 20th, okay. so he did get to see the he, movie. He barely got to see himself in the movie before. Um, he, of course, died of heart failure. Yes, because this dude was Jeep Swenson jacked. was a walking steroid. He, this guy was nothing but a brick house not to coin the phrase of the uh the song in the late 80s uh he actually started in world-class championship wrestling and he had gary hart was his manager his main feud was with bruiser brody as a matter of fact yes and he wrestled as red river jack and back then he claimed to have the largest biceps in the world and i might believe him actually he was billed from south africa although he was an american and yes you're correct next year next year he would pass away from heart failure and at his funeral this was very... This is how you know you're a pro wrestler at a funeral. Here's who showed up to his eulogy. Hulk Hogan, Davey Boy Smith, and James Kahn. And then, after the mass, there was a final measure of his biceps before he was cremated. So that what is... What was the final measure? I'm curious. No, it didn't say his final measurement on his biceps, but... If you actually go back and watch this pay-per-view, though, he towers over Hulk Hogan. And Hulk Hogan is 6'6". Six, six. I'm 6'3". Six, Hogan's 6'6". Six, six. I've been side by side with him. Hogan's arms are as big as my neck. And I actually thought he was a little shorter than Hogan. Swanson, I mean, his arms are huge. His arms are as big as Hogan's waist, practically. They had to change his name from the final solution. Why do you think the final solution would be a bad name, Patrick? Because that's what Hitler called the, the uh, getting rid of all the Jews in the Holocaust. Yeah. And so the Nitro that they were introduced, Tony Schiavone called him the final solution. There was a big outrage from all the jewish groups so he's the ultimate solution tonight the ultimate solution and he didn't sad to say this was a one-time deal for for both of them they didn't stick around after this paper well tiny lister had a great movie career still does he does and uh he showed up strictly to make Make money make bank for uh right get that check from ted turner and get that wcw money and and get the heck out of Dodge. Tiny Lister, better known uh, other than No Holds Barred, he's better known as being in um, the Friday. Yeah, he was Debo. He was Debo in Fridays, the Friday sequels. Oh, he had a lot of great roles. Still yeah. does. Yeah. Uh, you actually, he's got a commercial right now for beef jerky. So he was in uh, the Dark Knight. He was uh, one of the guys on the boat that the Joker almost blew up. That is right. Yes, he was in The Dark Knight. Was that his last role as of recently? I believe so. Now, he's still got work, man. He was in such great films like The Human Centipede 3, and he's going to be in Zootopia. It's actually already out. Is it actually already out? It was in March. It okay. came out. So he was in Zootopia, which made a lot of money. So And he's, 50, he's 59, I think. Tiny Lister is 58 years old. 58. Okay, Tiny Lister, 58. So that's the alliance to end Hulkamania. Also, they mentioned that Brian Pillman, when the match starts, they mentioned where's Brian Pillman at? This is after, a month after, Super Brawl 6, where he had the he had a whipping match with Kevin Sullivan. Kevin Sullivan was going to teach that Brian Pillman some respect. But Brian Pillman walks in there, grabs the mic, and says, I respect you, Booker Man. Drops the mic and leaves. He successfully turned this work angle into he's quitting the company, but then actually got his release from the company. And then went to... Uh, ECW. ECW. And, well, and had a great run because it was the Austin situation in ECW all over again. Paul Heyman, hey, 
you got a problem? Calls him up. Yeah, I've got a TV show. Why don't you come on? Talk about it. And it worked, man. You had great cuts with like Pillman rolling around in the floor with a giant pencil talking about he's never going to get be able to beat the pencil. You had things with, you know, Pillman as a chef. It was some great angles. Uh, Pillman had a lot of issues uh, known as the loose cannon. I do believe truly kind of was to some extent. Brian Pillman was a great wrestler. This was the start of the loose cannon thing basically yeah. back at Super Brawl. Before he left, though, he would appear in the crowd with a 1-900 number. He was a victim of a... It wasn't the victim of a conspiracy thing, but he had a, a 1-900 number to let you know where Brian Pillman was to give you updates. He had his own mm-hmm. Brian Pillman hotline. Yeah. So at first it was an angle, and then, yeah, he actually, to appease like the Wrestling Observer Newsletter, got his release, went to ECW, and then... Got in a car accident right after he signed with the WWF. Messed up his ankle pretty bad. And, yeah, it um, had to be fused into place. And uh, when he finally did get to WWE, he had to well, learn. he had the run with the Heart Foundation. Yeah, and uh, he had the run with uh, Goldust and Molina, Marlena, whatever you want to call it. And um, unfortunately, after that gimmick, that storyline was up. Uh, it hadn't ever, it hadn't even been completely up yet. Uh, going into now, he passed away the night of Bad Blood '97. Yeah, they found him in his hotel. He didn't show up, so they went check on him right before the pay per view and and found him. Brian Pillman took was taken from us too soon. Brian Pillman was is a wrestling tragedy, unfortunately, like Owen Hart and and so many others. Brian Pillman was a, well, I wouldn't lump Owen Hart in there. That was uh, not his fault. No, but I mean a wrestling tragedy in and of itself because Brian Brian Pillman was had so much more to give before his his untimely death. We got sidetracked there talking about we did. the Lions right. tend Hulkamania. They tell Hogan it's all going to be over soon. We go to Tony, Dusty, and Bobby. They're going to have the call for tonight. Didn't like Dusty on commentary, man. I, I love, love Dusty, Dusty but, on commentary. But I I would rather it just be Tony and Bobby. How many plunders, baby, did you get? Oh, yeah. He broke out the plunder uh, reference a lot in this pay-per-view. Some, some, some plunder, baby. The U.S. title match is going to kick off the show. Eddie is challenging Conan, who is the champion, and he comes out. His ring attire this needs is, some work. This is Conan before uh, Gangster Conan, before Thug Conan, whatever you want to... Yeah, before he started wrestling in khakis and a right. wife beater. This is this is Conan right out of AAA. Still has the AAA belt. Still has the AAA belt. I, I like this Conan. I didn't care for the other one. I like this oh, Conan. Oh, I think the other Conan's way better. Really? Yeah, this this Conan's not this, doing this it This kind of fuses together like the Rey Mysterio gimmick a little bit with the mask but, and the, the but tie But he takes off colors. the mask when he comes out. It, but still, it works. I think a mask is better for a high-flying wrestler anyway, and Conan is not a ty- high-flying wrestler. Conan used to be in AAA, but he, he took it mostly ground after... Dude, he's massive here. He, he is not. He got. Be that's what I'm saying. Around. He got. He got smart and wise. And hey, I'm too big to be doing this, and took it to the ground. This is the one title match of the night, Patrick, and you're having to jerk the curtain. <laughs> yeah. Why would you do that? <laughs> I don't know. This is why I said the Steiner brothers match. That should have been the first match. If the Steiners had been first to it, it could have. Some of the matches on this card went a little too long. I dare say, Patrick. <laughs> Almost every one of them. This but. match is fine though, time wise. I think it could have been a little shorter too, honestly. Uh, the match starts out. Conan's working uh, Eddie's arm for the first few minutes. 
Eddie eventually escapes by running up the turnbuckle and breaking the hold. We, we start the match off with that rest hold. Well, it's not a blood feud. They're two faces. So. I understand that. But we start the match off with a rest hold. Well, that gets the people going. And it's it's the first match of the night. You That is a no. That is a If, if you're working an indie show and do that, the booker's about to come through the curtain on you. Yeah, you just don't do that, man. Well, and then Eddie keeps it going because he starts working the legs of Conan. So now Conan's mat-based wrestling is now grounding Eddie. So yeah. now Eddie has to slow down right. to work with Conan. And, and of course, you hear the uh, he's trying to uncle him from Dusty at this point in time. What does that mean? I guess, you know... When in Dusty... Here's my Dusty Dictionary. Please explain he's trying he's to He's trying to make him give up. Oh, okay. You know, I'll make him he, say uncle. Say uncle and give up. Yeah, but instead of saying he's trying to make him give up, he's he's trying to uncle him, baby. <laughs> so, you know. So, yeah, he tries a figure four, but Conan makes it to the ropes. So, here we are. Uncensored rope break. Rope break. Yep. Conan works Eddie's legs then with a knee bar followed by Boston Crab. Eddie makes it to the ropes. The winner of this match, they announce, will fight Mr. JL on Monday. Ooh, what prize awaits you? Not only do you get the U.S. title, Patrick, yeah. but you have to fight Mr. JL tomorrow night on Monday Nitro. Eddie lands a Hurricane Ron off the top rope for a two count. Then he locks in the Steiner Recliner on Conan. Uh, Conan powers him off and gets to the ropes. And the two beg the crowd to chant their names. Okay, yeah. Here's here timeout. They work the crowd a good four to five minutes before they even touch again at this point in time. Yeah, they want to get their names chanted. This is way too freaking long. You work the crowd a good 30 seconds mostly. And also the crowd isn't very familiar with these two. This is Tupelo, Mississippi. This isn't... Yeah. The home home of Elvis Presley. I didn't know that. The birthplace of Elvis Presley, Tupelo, Mississippi. They mentioned that in the show too, yeah. Elvis Um, was born here. But it was... uh, when you go like four, almost five minutes working the crowd straight and not touch again, it, it better happen at the start of a match or at the the end of a match. You don't stop in midstream of a match and just go to each side, each opponent's corner and work the crowd for five minutes. That's ridiculous. I think they did it four or five minutes maybe total because they, they, do, they do it a few more times throughout the match. Eddie hits a flying head scissors on Conan that takes him to the outside. And then he jumps off the top of the turnbuckle and hits a beautiful splash to the Conan on the floor there. Conan hits a German suplex on Eddie, tries again, but gets rolled up for a two count. Then Conan hits a sit-down crucifix powerbomb, but that only gets a two count. Eddie hits a superplex for two, and then the ending to this match is very, very confusing, Patrick. Yeah. Can you explain this? He goes to lift him up for, uh, to give you an image, you know how Cesaro lifts you up to hit you with the, uh, the big forearm uppercut the european uppercut maybe grabs you by the waist shoots you off the rope grabs you by the waist slings you up hits you with the european uppercut uh that's kind of what they were going for here he shoots eddie into the ropes eddie comes back he lifts him up but conan didn't lift him but the problem was eddie was going to go for a hurricane rana that was a given. That was obvious. That's what we were going to do. Instead of going for a Hurricane Rana, Conan's like, I'm not taking that, and headbutts him right between the legs. Okay. This is a difficult one to un- understand in non like in non wrestling terminology. Well, in even in kayfabe, this is hard to explain. Yeah. Okay. Conan shoots Eddie to the ropes. Now comes Eddie back, comes is running back towards him. Hands on the waist, shoots him up. I didn't think Conan shot him up. I thought Eddie just tried to leapfrog a standing man. No. 
He shot him up. We're getting ready to go for the Hurricane Rana. I think, personally, it was an in-ring, oh, crap, we need to move because we're right there at the ropes. There was not any room to pull off a Hurricane Rana. So Conan just headbutts him right between the legs, and they decide... But see, if, if Eddie was going for a Hurricane Rana, it's Eddie's response, like... I know that the other wrestler usually has to help out in a Hurricane Rana, it's but the, it's Eddie's it's the responsibility grounded, it's to get him gr- over. It's the grounded opponents to get make sure there's plenty of room to pull off that move. I'm not getting flung with a Hurricane Rana and only two feet to try to land before I snap into the ring ropes. That's fair, I guess, but I I don't know what they were going for that, here. To my knowledge, it's what it looked like to me, honestly. It looked to me like Eddie tried to leapfrog standing Conan. And just didn't make it. Or was going to try a Hurricane Rana, but didn't even try it. And then, also, Conan should have been hurt from this guy's crotch hitting him in the head. Not the other way around. I know getting hit in the balls would hurt. So they'd both be hurt. How many headbutts do you see in pro wrestling? Tons. If you headbutt somebody in the crotch, is it going to hurt your head or is it going to hurt them? Well, if they're wearing a cup, it should hurt your head. Okay, well, obviously they're not. So, why would it hurt Coleman? Because he got hit in the head. With somebody's nuts. But it wasn't just his, it was like It's not his like whole, it's a steel chair. I know, but it was just, it was this whole area. It wasn't just, you know, a glancing, a glancing sack to the head. <laughs> this was like a full, this was like a, a Bronco Buster. Like a standing, why does the Bronco I, Buster hurt? Why does the Bronco Buster hurt? You took the words right out of my mouth. Uh, anyway. I see your point. But I really think that that's what they were going for, and uh, I love the way it was. It was a in ring, you know. Hey, we're going to call a uh, an audible, and they went with it, and it worked. No, uh, it, it was very, very confusing. It, it was, was confusing. Stupid. It was confusing. Yes, but here it is. It was a way to turn later Conan heel. It hinted at a heel turn, but that yeah. wouldn't happen anytime soon, though. He didn't stick around much longer as being baby after this. I know he ended up losing the U.S. title to Ric Flair, though, down the road. Right. But so you and also okay. But so anyway, that weird move that the crotch to the head happens, and then. He covers and gets the win in 1827. But also, what I wanted to talk about was, how does this make Conan a bad guy? Because he won with a low blow. You were the one that jumped your crotch into my head. Doesn't matter. What do you mean it doesn't matter? If you get the three count off of a low blow... He was supposed to stand up and wait for Eddie to get up as a face? As a face, you go and you check on the guy. He checked on him as he was pinning him. No, he didn't. He even tried to be a nice guy and raise his hand at the end of the match. Well, he yeah. Probably could, I could check on you while I'm pinning you. Yeah, but they, the, fans don't, the fans don't need to know that. I'm sorry. It's not heelish to me if you throw your crotch into my head. <laughs> That's not me. If, if Conan had given him a, a true low blow right, or, like, made it intentional. Right. His head did go forward. So, I mean, you know. I ba- barely. I, no, 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 no. This is garbage. This is garbage. This and I hope it wasn't scripted this way. I hope that this was. Not you know, as bad as it probably was. This I is mean, WCW. The announcers seem to be clued in on it pretty yeah. quickly. This is WCW. This was Eric Bischoff with the headset. There are other ways to tease a subtle heel turn, not instead of just Eddie throwing his balls. The problem in the guy's with head. that, don't tease it. If you're going, I, I, it's a good way to tease a heel turn. But then don't have Conan checking on him after the after the three count. Have Conan just take my belt, get either walk off like either, nothing happened. Yeah, either you get out of my ring or I get out of your ring, 
And then backstage, put him with Mean Gene and be like, hey, listen. Yeah, they don't explain it later on. They show Conan with the Mexican announcers, but we don't get an explanation. We don't get an explanation later on. Yeah. Tune in Monday for Nitro. Trying to get viewers to Nitro, man. 8 o'clock. So, yeah, after the match is over, Conan goes over to raise Eddie's hand, and he doesn't believe that it was an accident. He shrugs Conan's hand. He doesn't want his dirty handshake. That's right. Then we go to Mean Gene, who's in the locker room. He says he has Colonel Parker pacing back and forth in the dressing room, and he encourages Colonel Parker not to soil himself before his big match. Also, we find out you can chat with the giant on CompuServe. So log on, see if the giant's there. I don't even think CompuServe is around anymore, is it? No. No. CompuServe is, is long gone, my friends. Just like WCW. Unfortunately. So then Dick Slater joins Colonel Parker and Mean Gene. Colonel Parker says, You know... You're showing me a lot of gratitude for coming out here and fighting on your behalf right here in Tupelo tonight. You know, uh, before I say anything, I want to thank Dick for all the help and training that he's given me. I'm doing this match for you tonight, Dick. I'm doing it for my great uncle, Colonel Tom Parker, for Red and all the boys, for Elvis himself. I'm doing it for you, That's it. I'm doing it for you also, and don't you forget that. I'm doing it for all the people in the great state of Mississippi that loves Colonel Parker like a hog loves slop. I'm going to take that girl. I'm going to rub her face in it real good. I'm going to give her what all of you good-for-nothing sitting out there of the male gender ain't got the guts enough to do. You yellow, shaky-hand cowards, sit there and watch Colonel Parker do your fighting tonight against Medusa. Colonel Parker says he's fighting a woman for Dick Slater, his uncle, Elvis, and Mean Gene. He's doing it all for all the people of Mississippi. He's doing it for all the male gender. That's right. That was a very good R- Colonel Rob Parker, by the way. Rah, 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 rah. That's he's very Colonel Rob. As a matter of fact, I think follows our our radio show here. Shout out to Colonel Rob. And Dick Slater says, "Yeah, Parker is going to make history by beating a woman. Why would that be history making, Patrick? Because this is one of the like most badass women in pro wrestling. So next we have a grudge match. It's Lord Stephen Regal. He's taking on the Belfast Bruiser Fit Finlay, and Fit Finlay needs to wear a cup in his Ireland singlet." <laughs> Because he has got a bulge going on. He also needs to get a new haircut. His hair, his black and gray mullet. This is our this is our first plunder, baby, of the night. Well, this is where, yeah, Dusty begs for some plunder in this match. This is the most... This match went way too long, first it of went, all. Yeah, it went way too long, absolutely. Uh, go ahead and do it, and I'll, I'll give you my... Yeah, after. you can interject. All right. So here we go. Uh, Finley comes into the ring and immediately smashes Regal with his coat that's got, like, armor on it. He's got a weird-looking coat, like a Mad Max coat. Regal smashes him with a few European uppercuts. Naturally, you're from Europe. Use some European uppercuts. Oh, absolutely. Haven't seen one that isn't yet. So. We get some elbows from Fit Finley. And I notice here that Fit Finley's striking is very stiff. This dude is hitting very hard, man. Very, He's very lying to man pretty stiff, yeah. Regal slows the match down by working a headlock. Here you go, Patrick, your favorite. Some rest holds to bring the crowd, who is already dead quiet for this match. You can yeah. hear a pin drop. You can, this was, uh, and I I, I loved to watch William Regal wrestle, but this match, this was a go to the concession stand, take a bathroom break. This was this was not a normal William Regal match. Regal hits a drop kick for a two count. We get lots of lots of striking and mat based rest holds. A lot of I mean it's a realistic looking 
they're realistic looking rest holds, you know. They're well, yeah. They're trying to be real grappler. Realist realism is the is the word in this match. Finley works Regal's head with sleepers, clotheslines, stiff strikes. He uses the guardrails to smash Regal's head in. Then he reaches for a chair. Can't get him, Patrick. They've all zip tied those chairs together in the crowd. Should have went for the timekeeper's chair. What kind of pro wrestler doesn't know where to find a chair? Fit Finley. Unfortunately, this just adds to the the bad of the match. Regal suplexes Finley from the mat to the floor, which looked scary at first, but Finley landed safely on his feet before falling. Yeah, Shivani even mentioned it. It looked it looked the he didn't thought, want to th- the thought beforehand. You're like, oh man, don't this take that is, bump. Did, don't take this. Gonna be sick. Don't take that bump. But then you see it, and you're like, oh, that was crap. Regal follows it up with an elbow from the apron. They go back into the ring and brawl for a minute, then they go back outside. Uh, Regal and Finley are on the uh, entry ramp there, and Finley runs Regal's back into the apron. And then Finley hits a super stiff punch to the face of William Regal. And now this is going to be a point of controversy between you and I, I can already tell, because I say that Regal takes the opportunity to blade here. Oh, bull. And now he's covered in blood. <laughs> he he. I don't know if this was a a receipt or an accident. I really couldn't tell. But that was straight real. Who blazed their nose? First of all, think it, about that. I couldn't tell if it was his nose or his eye. That it was his was... nose. He splattered his nose all over his face, man. <laughs> I don't think it was his nose, man. It I was think his he bladed. nose. He, I mean, he splattered his nose all over. He, you, his nose looked like a jigsaw puzzle torn to pieces. It was bad. Well, the camera never got close enough for me to see Patrick, but I think he bladed. And this was your uncensored in uncensored 2000. Yeah, they don't even want to show you his face close up. Yeah, yeah, it's so raw. It's so uncensored. We can't even zoom in to show you that this dude just got battered. Now it was a stiff punch. I'll give it It, that. It was. Here's why I think he bladed. If you go back to the tape, you see Regal uh, reaching in the back of his tights right before he gets punched. And then after he gets punched, he puts his head down on the canvas. I can answer. For a minute. I can answer that. He's reaching back to his tights to his pull pants, out. Because his pants were he's falling pulling, down. No, he's pulling a wedgie out of his ass because of the fact that when Finley grabbed him and ran him into the uh, apron, apron, all he, all he did tights. was pull by tights, man, and he slung him that way. So that's why he reached for the tights. He was digging a wedgie out of his ass. Now, as he's laying on the ground, he's probably laying on the ground because he got nailed so freaking hard. <laughs> well, yeah, That's going to knock leaned, you loopy, too. He leaned against the, the ring apron for a minute, and that's yeah. where I think he bladed. But I think WCW did have a no-blading policy at this time, so... You're probably it right. Was, it was straight. It was that was the hard way. He did get blood on his arm and stuff. In a, it, it's not a very natural way for if you bladed, it would have gone just straight down or whatever. Right. And it, if he had gotten, it splattered. <laughs> yeah, it, he, it was. He he splattered pretty bad. And so. then this is where I think that they called an audible. And Bobby, uh, beautiful Bobby Eaton, Sir Robert Earl, Sir Robert Earl Eaton, and Dave Taylor come out the blue bloods the rest of the blue bloods come out to save the red-blooded william regal steve regal and the contest is a no contest it's thrown out in 1733 in this uncensored pay-per-view that's so extreme this was uh this was just a little before they got rid of bobby uh this was well he he got out of his blue bloods gimmick because i'm watching the nitros from 96 and I'm in November, and he's still there. He wrestled Jericho on the last one that I saw. So okay. he's still there for a little he's while. He's still there for a little while. Yeah, uh, shout out to Bobby Eaton, good friend of mine. Um, Dave Taylor. What, what's your thoughts on Dave Taylor being a part of the 
the new bloods. A lot of people the think... The blue bloods. Or the blue blood, not the blue blood. The blue bloods. Uh, what's your thought on Dave Taylor being a part of the uh, the blue bloods? I don't really know enough about him because when he was in WWF, uh, in when SmackDown, when him and Finley teamed up again, or when him and Regal teamed up, yeah, reformed the Blue Bloods later on, years later. I just don't know anything about Dave Taylor, really. So, um, I think it was good for Dave Taylor because Dave Taylor is a guy that can just he just he knows how to wrestle. He can go in there and he wrestle. He can't. He's not good on microphone. He's not, you know, he's not flashy style. He just he knows he's old school. Can go in there and put on a wrestling clinic, and uh, where you have Bobby who can who can be flashy when needs to be. And you've got William Regal who can do the talking and go in there and tear it up. William Regal still is in my top ten greatest wrestlers of all time. So what did you think of this match? I love this match. thought it could have been a lot shorter. It could have been shorter. But I, I, this was – there was not too many rest holds. There was not too much – I mean, there was something going on constantly. I think it, this it match wasn't, – It wasn't a standard William Regal match. I didn't – There was a lot of striking. There was, yeah. Not a lot of actual... No. This was a, uh, a I scaled a 1 to 10 this match, I'd give a 4. This was, it was a mid, middle match when normally a William Regal match, I'm looking for at least a 7. So this was kind of a, it was a disappointment for a William Regal match, but for just looking at the regular match, it was, it was an okay match. I think that this match suffered from the two guys involved not being over with the crowd. If this was two guys main eventers, which I mean that's on WCW's you know fault that these guys aren't that they were never made into and superstars. They, they should have. Just so. Oh, definitely, especially Regal, especially yeah. Regal. William Regal William Regal never held a world title. And that is a travesty in and of itself cuz William Regal should have been multiple time WCW champion or WWE champion. End of discussion on that. So the crowd, I don't think, appreciated what they were going for. Exactly. In this match. Also, I think, yeah, it ran a little long to be, not an unannounced match, because they had been feuding on TV for a while, but not a main event, like 17 minutes. You weren't, it wasn't promoted to be a part of this show. It was just, it was a feud rivalry match that they thrown on the show. Basically. And that's why I would have had the Steiners on first. They would have gone 10 minutes with the Nasty Boys. Both of those teams are over. The, the Steiner brothers work a fast style. And then you could have taken five minutes away from the first match with Eddie and Conan and taken five minutes away from this match. Yeah. Problem solved. Problem solved. You're right. You're absolutely right. But we go into... But I heard origi- I've, I've heard on the internet that this match was supposed to go 30 minutes. And so when he broke his nose, they ran in and cut I've, it short. I've heard that too. And... Uh... Then we have Mean Gene with Jimmy Hart and the Giant. Giant is going to meet Loch Ness tonight in a match later on, and the winner will get a title shot tomorrow on Nitro. It's a number one contenders match. When we get to this match, I would like to ask you a few questions before we get into it, but proceed. Yeah, uh, Giant says he's going to smoke Loch Ness like bacon on a griddle. If that is not a fat joke, I don't know what is. I could start off with rhymes. I could start off with riddles. Loch Ness in the ring, I'm going to smoke you like bacon on the griddle. He warns Flair that he'll tear him limb from limb tomorrow night, so we'll see you then. Yeah, Bobby here goes into a big uh, 
misogynistic rant, you know, uh, how Bobby, Bobby the Brain Heenan was always very, uh, very bitter towards the female gender. And so he, uh, <laughs> he says, how do you prepare for a match with Medusa? You lay out your credit cards, you buy her flowers. How do you prepare for a match with Medusa? You put down credit cards, you put down flowers, you put down candy, you put down things that'll make her happy. Maybe go shopping at uh, Neiman Marcus tomorrow on me. Do whatever you can, Colonel, to keep from getting your tail kicked. She will do it at a moment's notice. She's you a, know that. She's, she's a, had your charge card many a days. We go back to Gene. Gene says that tonight on the WCW Hotline, a pro wrestler may be hanging up the boots to go to Hollywood, Patrick. That's right. So one nine hundred nine zero nine ninety nine hundred. Kids, get your parents' permission before calling. That's right. He's with Loch Ness. Loch Ness says that Jimmy Hart promised him a shot at Hogan, but took it away. What a jerk! He signed a bad deal he with did. Jimmy Hart. He got he got ripped off. He says he can't tell you what he'll do because he won't be allowed to do it on TV. This is where you're allowed to do. It's uncensored. It's uncensored. This is the one place you're allowed to do it. So. And then at the very end, Gene gets in a great line. He offers <laughs> to introduce Loch Ness to his neighbor. Loch Ness gives him a look like, who are you talking about? And he says, oh, yeah, he's a dentist. I can't tell you what I'm going to do with him because it won't be allowed on TV. But you can imagine me, Gene. When I get my hands on him, he'll know all about it. By the way, I've got to introduce you to my, my neighbor down in Florida. He's a dentist. You'll love this guy. Yes. As Loch Ness's teeth needed some real help. Yes. The man versus woman match <laughs> is out next. Colonel Parker's out first. He's wearing his plantation owner suit. He's got his hat and his sweat-wiping tissue. Medusa's out next. She's in her American flag shorts and tank top. Bobby goes into full bitter husband mode, uh, just like he started earlier. Parker tries to shake Medusa's hand. She says, hey, look at my butt instead. He's trying to be nice. A gentleman. A gentleman. He's a southern gentleman. Parker is going to fight in his khakis and his button-up white shirt. Medusa and Parker start with a lockup. Okay, first of all, right there. I was as shocked as Dusty Rhodes oh, yeah. when I saw this match because I didn't think there was a chance in hell he's going to lock up with <laughs> Like I'm figuring there's going to be a push-in, something like that. He locked up with her, and he muscled her into a corner, and I came off of my couch. Holy shit. Yeah, Dusty started losing his mind laughing. He thought it was so funny. I said th- the entire this match was booked just to make Dusty Rhodes laugh because he got a kick out of watching Colonel Parker and Medusa go at it. I love this match. Lock up, he lock locked up, up with her. her. Oh, he locked up with her. Yeah, you and he shoved her back into the corner. Yeah, and he broke clean. What the hell? He locked up with her and broke clean. Oh. Somebody bring my medicine. <laughs> Unbelievable. And popped, uh, and popped the snapshot. Look on. at this. He locked up with her again. <laughs> oh. Get him, darling. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> shove him back. I mean, smack him. Well, I've lost it here. I mean, I ain't never seen nothing like this. He puts Medusa into a fireman's carry and spins her around. She eventually rolls it, rolls him into a pinning predicament. Then she body slams Colonel Parker. <laughs> and this causes Parker to walk she, outside the ring. He didn't help her either. She muscled him up for that body slam. And whoever the hell says Rob Parker's only 175 pounds oh, yeah, that is was full of crap. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Dusty said, uh, or somebody, one of the commentators mentioned 170 pounds and a 46-inch waist. Well, guess what? No, that you can't have a 46-inch uh, waist. Colonel Rob Parker, 
who's a good friend of mine. Colonel Rob Parker has never been 175 pounds in his entire life. Parker gets upset after he gets body slammed and walks on the outside, and Dirty Dick Slater runs up and consoles him, tells him to go back in there. He's got this. They mention that Medusa is the underdog in this match. Why is she an underdog in this match, Patrick? She's a former women's champion. Because Dirty Dick Slater's out there. Good point. And she's a female taking on two guys. But Okay, we'll get into that. We'll have this discussion in just a second. Parker chokes Medusa and drops her like a, a raised chokehold, basically, and drops her to the ground. She recovers quickly and hits a couple of drop kicks off the top rope. She tries a crossbody off the top rope, and Parker goes out of his way to catch her and make sure she lands as safe as possible. He's on the outside of the ring, and she jumped off the top turnbuckle. Yes. And he... Didn't worry about selling the move. Just worried about catching Medusa. What a gentleman this guy is. When they get back in the ring, she German suplexes Colonel Robert Parker and covers him for a two count, but then Dirty Dick Slater breaks it up, Patrick. And then, this is a very odd thing that happens, Colonel Parker just rolls over on her and gets the three count. He wins in three minutes, 47 seconds. He used that 175 pounds. Weight advantage. Weight advantage. Because that was was the weight advantage in and of itself. Rob Parker is 250, 275 if there ever was. I hated this match. I love this match. And here's why I hate it. They spent so much money getting Alundra Blaze from the WWF. The WWF canceled their women's division when she left. Right. Well, also because she... Threw the title in the trash, but... No, well, they canceled it before... I mean, when she was gone, they just discontinued it. Yeah. And I guess they didn't care where the belt went. She throws the belt away. This is her first pay-per-view match signed with this company. You had her lose to a manager, not even a wrestler, Patrick. This would be like for Chris Jericho's first pay-per-view match. They had Nick Patrick beat the shit out of Chris Jericho. You can't lose to a manager. Now, granted, okay, the man and woman thing... If it was Miss Elizabeth taking on Colonel Rob Parker, then yes, Miss Elizabeth is an underdog. But you are selling her to us, essentially, as Ronda Rousey. (laughs) Yes, that's a great comparison. Now, if I'm in a match with Ronda Rousey, Patrick, I don't care that I'm a man. (laughs) I'm the underdog. (laughs) I'm going to get my ass kicked. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. There's no... There's no... Yeah. No, you're right. You're right. You're absolutely right. Uh, they sell her to us as the greatest female wrestler of all time. I mean, she threw the. I mean, they paid a, a fortune for her. Yeah, they really did, and she got every penny of it. Uh, they. You can't have her losing to a manager, man. No, and, and not first, not first match out, and not have her lose clean like that. Well, well, I mean, Dirty Dick Slater did break it up. He he knocked her leg. He swept her leg to break up a pin. After that, he didn't do jack squat. It would have been nice if if Parker had dropped an elbow or did anything instead of just crawling over there. She could have gotten a foot on the ropes. They were that close to the ropes, too. So that's my problem with it. Not so much that... Well, that's what I'm saying. It would have been better and more believable if she'd gotten her foot on the ropes and Dick Slater knocked it off or something and they still hit the three the ref didn't see. Or maybe if she had fought... Maybe you could have, if you really want her to fight a man, have her fight like Jimmy Hart or something. If you're like, oh, no. Well, that would be an underdog right there. Exactly. <laughs> at least that would be like, at least that would that would be way more entertaining, too, because watching Jimmy Jimmy all, Hart squirm. All, all five foot one, a hundred pounds soaking wet Jimmy Hart take on Medusa. I would love that. That he She would beat him. Yeah. <laughs> but if you want her to fight a man... 
or whatever. You got to put her over, like. No, I'm 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 with you. This was bad booking. And the, and also the reasoning behind it that she broke up uh, Colonel Parker's wedding to Sensational Sherry. Yes. With no real explanation. But Bobby Heenan did say that Colonel Parker should be thanking her for breaking up the wedding because getting married is a terrible mistake. It is. So what did you think of it? You liked it, though. I did. It was funny. It wasn't my favorite match on the card, but I, I did. I really, I really liked it. I loved it. I just match. enjoyed it. It made me smile hearing Dusty get so much enjoyment Dusty, out of it. this was some of the best commentary you'll ever hear because Dusty was coming unglued. And, well... Later on in that year at the Great American Bash, the Benoit-Sullivan match, when they go to that bathroom and Dusty sees a woman in the bathroom and he says, there's a lady in the men's room! And he just loses it. It's so fun. That's why there will never be another character like Dusty Rhodes because... Dusty Rhodes is one of a kind. Dusty Rhodes, in all seriousness, guys like Bobby Eaton and Dusty Rhodes and uh, rivalries like Andy Kaufman and Jerry Lawler are the reason I got into professional wrestling. I'm not a, you know, I'm 6'3", 235 pounds. That's big for a referee. That's big for a wrestler, for middle-class wrestler. I mean, that's pretty, you know. Dusty Rhodes made it okay to not be ripped Hulk Hogan and be a star. Yeah, because he just made things enjoyable. Think about this. You now have Kevin Owens. You now have Samoa Joe. These guys never would have gotten the opportunity that they have if you didn't go back to the the likes of Dusty Rhodes. Yeah, and he also showed that when you have a big man, he doesn't have to be Vader. Yeah. He doesn't have to be a monster. Right. That you and, can uh, have the big teddy bear. Yeah. But I love Dusty on commentary. Dusty on commentary. Dusty should have done commentary. On funny th- on funny matches like man versus woman, Dusty's fine, but you don't want to have Dusty in there with Dean Malenko and Juventud Guerrera. See, that's where you're wrong because I remember listening to one, and Mike Tanay calls it a Hurricane Rana and you hear Dusty go, he's at her car, what? I mean, that, you know, that's pretty funny. No. It, not, it adds. There's a time to be serious, Pat. It adds to the commentary. Then we go to Tony the Tiger, Lee Marshall. He's in the locker room. All the writers are talking about the tag team division. The Road Warriors scream through their promo. Hawk, Hawk brings up the Medulla Oblongata. The Medulla Oblongata, otherwise known as a brainstem, controls all the body functions. Everything, Booker T and Sting, I and Animal are going to remove your brain stems. You will have to depend on depends for the rest of your life. Because, you see, we're the team that says what we're going to do and then gets the job done. There's no sticking way you two could legally beat us to anytime, anyplace, especially in our match. A Chicago street fight, the one we're best at. All out blitz. Anything goes. Nobody cares, especially us. That is the brain stem from where your brain and your backbone meet. And Just, he's going to tear it out. He's, gonna, <laughs> he's going to rip it out of your body. That's going to be pretty sick. <laughs> His later exact on. words were rip it out and you will not breathe anymore. Oh, wonderful. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> they're going to have a Chicago street fight, even though they're in Mississippi. <laughs> a small technicality i guess up next we have ddp versus the booty man why the booty man you might ask because mark marrow has defected to the wwf got a huge contract one of the few guys that made the jump from wcw to the wwf 
In 96. Yeah, 96 especially. And, but they like we had talked about when we were doing the Final Four, they technically didn't want him. They wanted her. Well, yeah, but I think they, they wanted had, Sable. They had interest in him, and then they saw her. And they got was, they sent they called him up to Connecticut, and he came with his wife, and they said, "Oh, deal's done." Yeah, it it had nothing to do with him, in my opinion. So it now was the, all about her. So now the booty man has replaced him. It's the same gimmick. It's the same gimmick as Mister Ass Billy Gunn. It's the exa- no, it's not the same gimmick as Mark Merrow. It's close enough. He's Johnny just, B. Bad is a lot cooler than Mark than not Mark Merrow. Johnny got, B. Bad is is cooler than the Booty Man. You have to be kidding me! Any day of the week, you have to be kidding. I'm me. taking that. These are two terrible gimmicks, but I'm taking Johnny B. Bad any day over the Booty I'm Man. I'm taking Bruiser or not Bruiser Brody, uh, but Brutus, this isn't Brutus the Barber Beefcake. That's not the gimmick though. This is the Booty Man as the love doctor basically the booty man no he's not a love doctor he's just a, a guy that likes his ass johnny no, be no, bad no he likes least. he likes ass not his ass he likes ass he likes his ass cuz he cut the things out of his pants he cut his ass out of his pants <laughs> so you could get a better look i can't believe you like the booty man more than johnny be bad i do <laughs> one day you'll regret that one day you will come to me and say you know what i was totally wrong about that i don't like mark Merrow at all and I don't care. I don't like anybody. Ed Leslie. I don't Ed Leslie stinks. <laughs> Mark Merrow could wrestle circles around Ed Leslie. Mark Ed Leslie didn't do a damn move in this match. <laughs> Not a one. Oh, he did the high knee, but that's a strike. His, yeah. his finisher is a strike because he knows no wrestling moves. <laughs> how did this guy? This guy had like 19 gimmicks. I mean, how did he get such a long career in wrestling? He, he was well, okay, being Hogan's friend. No, let's let's name it. Actually. He is his cousin, actually. No, that was a storyline. Is that a story or is that real? storyline. I thought they might have been. All right, so wait. No, you brought up the gimmicks. Let's talk about them. Booty Man, Brutus the Barber Beefcake, uh, The Disciple for the NWO. There's three. All right, we'll we'll go through it all. He was Baron Beefcake. He was Big Brother Booty. Big Brother Booty. He was the Booty Man. Booty Man. He was the Brother Brutai. Brother Brutai. He was Brute Force. Brute Force. He was Brutus Beefcake. Brutus Beefcake. He was the Butcher. Butcher. The Clipmaster. Cl- what? The Clipmaster. When he originally came to WCW, they couldn't call him Brutus the Barber, so he's the Clipmaster. Okay. He's the Disciple. He's Dizzy Hogan. He's Ed Boulder. He's Eddie Hogan. He's the Mariner. He's the Man with No Name. He's the Zodiac. And he's the Zodiac Man. He had a lot of gimmicks. So that's 11. Well. But to be fair, some of those were the exact same gimmicks. They no, just they had the same name. name. But they were different in their own way. Their own special way. He's been billed from San Francisco, the lands of Ying and Yang, Yang and Parts Unknown. There you go. He was trained by Hulk Hogan and Ivan Koloff. Do you know where Parts Unknown is? Somewhere where they all live. I don't it's, know. Parts Unknown is very close to Dudleyville, actually. Oh, okay. Up right. next... Okay, so, so so we have well the, before we have the booty man come out. Hold on, before that we get a Slamboree promo. Slamboree is next month, so check that Legends out. Legends Fest Slamboree. I don't know that they this do that. The, in this was the last one. The last one. The next match is an I Quit Wrestling match. This is a retirement match. This Patrick. is a retirement match. It is Diamond Dallas Page. He's out first. He's down luck. Diamond Dallas Page. Yeah, he you looks know. like shit. <laughs> well, but that was part of his storyline. He had it was. He had lost all his money to Johnny B. Bad. He had also lost 
his girlfriend, his wife. He he Kimberly. lost the diamond doll. The diamond doll was taken from him. She became, I guess she was just still the diamond doll with Johnny B. Bad, but now she is the booty babe the booty with babe. the booty man. I don't know how the booty man inherited her. I don't her. know how, yeah, I figured that one out. But yeah, he comes out, he's got, he's down on his luck, DDP's. His beard is black. He's not dying his beard. or, or It just looks not, it's not, he's unkept. He's, he's very homeless looking. He looked very, he looked like he hadn't showered in about a, a month and he's day. wrestling in ugly purple pajama pants. He looked pretty bad. This was a bad, but it was on purpose. So yeah, it was. I mean, when, and that's what's great about DDP. Yeah, it's nice that he went out. DDP of his way. when he goes for something, you give and and I've been around him. DDP is a great guy, good friend. But anybody who truly knows DDP will tell you he is one of the most happiest SOBs you will ever meet. Oh yeah. And when he he is so positive. That is not just a gimmick. That Positively is, paid. That is not just a gimmick. That really is him. That when he goes for something, it is all or nothing. He goes both feet in, 100%. And so when they said, hey, we're going to do this as a gimmick, I mean, he went with it. Yeah, no jewelry. No, no. He went full force with it. Booty man Ed Leslie is out next. He says to the camera that it's it's booty time, Patrick. Bobby Heenan says he could probably buy some tights that aren't ripped. Because he's always rocking those ripped tights. Rocking those ripped ones. Booty Man does some strutting and cutting, as well as showing off his butt. That's how he poses. DDP complains about the match to Nick Patrick. And Nick Patrick shoves him. Patrick. Patrick Young. Yeah. You don't mess with the talent. You don't. You only Even shove if they're them complaining. If, if they shove you, you yeah, shove Yeah, you can them. retaliate. That's right. But you never put your hands... Nick Patrick, dude, what he did. Come on, man. You'll notice I don't have a lot of moves in this match. That's because, as I said, Ed Leslie knows no wrestling moves. <laughs> they do some striking and stuff. Eventually, now, DDP, Psychology 101. That's, that's Mr. Page, Mr. Page Falkenberg, I'd like you to sit down for a minute. Uh, you're, you're aware that this is a retirement match. Well, then why would you walk away from the match and risk getting yourself counted out? Yes. So he... At one point, walks away from the match. What is he thinking? I don't know. And then, what's Ed Leslie thinking, running out and getting him? I don't know. Always take a win. I don't understand why <laughs> you can't just take a count-out win. A babyface can't take a count-out win. Anyway. He didn't win it fair. Booty Man runs DDP's head into all three turnbuckle covers in one corner. Then he bails outside again. Now, he is so woozy. DDP is so woozy from getting his head smashed into those turnbuckle covers. He fumbles around and falls over the guardrail totally unassisted. He just yes. falls into the WCW universe, as they would call it now. The fans lap. This is Take a Wrestler Home Night here at Uncensored 96. Yeah, they go out to the universe a lot. Yeah. The booty babe, she finally shows up. She didn't walk out with the booty man. No. The announcers, they are in love with her. And they're right to be. I think she's the most attractive woman in wrestling at this time. At this time, yes. But, I mean, I think I would put her up there as an all-time I'd, I'd put her up there in the top five. She is just a uh, little under Trish and Lita. The idea that this beautiful woman would be with Ed Leslie is pretty funny. <laughs> This match is mostly more strikes. DDP and Booty Man botch a couple of running exchanges. Did you notice this? Yes. DDP, like, dropped to the ground one time way too soon. And then Booty Man, he fucked up the next sequence, so. 
lot of good stuff here. DDP works a headlock for several minutes. Kimberly does great acting when she says she wants Booty Man to be her boyfriend. They kept the cutting. They kept cutting over Kimberly's uh, shoulder, and she kept turning. Yeah, and she would talking, turn around and talk to the camera. Talk to the camera throughout most of this match, and I, whoever told her to do that, because I don't believe it was pulled off perfectly. I mean, or was like spontaneously done. Um, I'm sure the cameraman tapped her on her shoulder or something. Because how would you be able to catch those? What I'm saying is, though, is whoever's idea that was, it wasn't just the cameraman's idea. This was somebody backstage. This was somebody who said, hey, here's what we're going to do. This might have been an Eric Bischoff call. Uh, It's brilliant. It added to the match, and so it worked. This is what makes this match slightly better than your 15-minute time limit draw with Dory Funk and Nick Bockwinkle. That's I, I sat there thinking to myself, which of these terrible matches would I rather sit through? And it's this one because there's a storyline going on. <laughs> Booty Man eventually hits his high knee. Get it? Like high knee? High knee. Because he's a booty man. Uh, 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 that's so Gets funny. the win and DDP is retired once and for all. We'll never see him again in 16 minutes. That, you know that DDP kid, he had he had the stuff, he just couldn't make anything of it. Yeah, it's couldn't a shame. Make it work. It's a shame he retired yeah. right before the NWO arrived. I think he probably would have benefited a lot when the NWO arrived. Oh, yeah. Being the only WCW guy. <laughs> Being the only face in WCW. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah that... It's too bad that this was his retirement match. Yeah. And what a great match to retire on. Oh, you know, yeah. we've seen some great, like, Ric Flair's retirement match or Shawn Michaels' retirement match. The, we've seen the, the Booty Man and DDP. This goes on. It's right up there. Yeah. Savage, Ultimate Warrior, <laughs> WrestleMania 7. I mean, they're neck and neck. They're very close. Very close. So, of course, yes, you think this match is awful. This huh? match sucked. <laughs> and it was 16 minutes long. Wow. This match, this match was, this match was terrible. But I put it on the Booty Man because I've seen DDP have good matches with Johnny B. Bad. Uh, DDP is one of these guys that likes to totally script out his match. And I bet you, I bet you, I don't have the inside scoop here, but Ed Leslie couldn't be bothered to talk over the match before it started. No. Yeah, he's too good for that. He thinks he's on the same level as Hogan. Not, are you serious? Because <laughs> we've only shared a locker room with him. So, I mean, we know exactly how he is. Well, so I think that's what happened. I, I put the blame <laughs> on the booty man. but I, I would say you're probably right on that. I, I missed the finish a little bit because DDP did get to kiss his wife and then got slapped for it, and that's what caused yeah, him to get the high knee. That's what caused him to get the high knee. And then uh, when the booty man wins, he gets to kiss Kimberly. Hey, that's pretty good. That's, that's a, a good, good night's work right there. That's a good night's work right you there. You retired a guy. You took his wife. Good it, stuff. You got winner's purse. Got Yeah, winners, winners get paid more. Everyone knows that. So, you know. Gene is backstage with the total package and Jimmy Hart. Flexi Lexi. Jimmy gives Lex an airbrush jacket of himself as a memory for their short time together. Apparently, they're going to be breaking up after tonight. I've said it all along, Gene. I've been caught between a rock and a hard place in this whole thing. Because right now, Gene, I gotta go through the most difficult moments of my wrestling career. Because looming in the background, I've been out there, I've been next to that cage, is the most dangerous match I've ever seen or gonna witness in professional wrestling history about to come down. But before that, Gene, I have to wrench deep down inside my gut and watch my tag team partner, one half of the world tag team champions here in world championship wrestling, 
you, go you out. bailed on him, Luger. Come on. Let's, uh, let's call it as we... Contrary to popular rumor, Gene, that is the furthest thing from the truth. This is a very emotional moment for me because my partner Sting, my best friend in the whole wide world, is going out in a Chicago street fight without his tag team partner Lex Luger from Chicago. And that breaks my heart. But I'm going to be there, Stinger. I'm going to be watching out for you. I'm going to be watching your back like you do for me and I do for you. And then... A competitor that I am, I'll step in a cage match whether I wanted to be there or not and give it my best. Luger says he has to stomach watching Sting wrestle with Booker T as his tag team partner. That's going to eat away at him because they are the tag team champs, Patrick. Yeah, yeah. And it's going to be in a Chicago street fight. And he's emotional because that's his best friend out there, Sting. And he's from Chicago, even though they're in Mississippi. Yeah. He's devastated. I'm, I'm crying thinking about it right now. But he's going to give it his best tonight in the main event against Hogan. Up next is Giant versus Giant. We have Loch Ness, Giant Hang on a second. Hang on a second. I'm tearing up here. Yeah. Trying to fight fight the urge. Fight through, yeah. 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 (laughs) Who in the hell has him do a baby interview like that and then turn around and put him with the heels in the main event? But that's been his character for the, the last few months. He's torn, Patrick. He hates Hulk Hogan, but he loves Sting. He's in like a, almost a love triangle of sorts. He loves Sting and he loves being bad. It's a hard choice. That is the most idiotic thing I've ever heard. I actually think, I, I kind of like it. It's something that's missing from wrestling today. Really? Yeah. You, you love the, I mean. You could get a better actor than Luger. Luger's <laughs> oh, not <yeah>. good. <laughs> Luger is basically shows the same emotion no matter what he's doing. Yeah, no. But in today's wrestling, I guess I who would I be able to put this with today? Like let's say Bray Wyatt. You know, he's normally a bad guy, but maybe there's one wrestler yeah. he really cares about. Bray does about. work heel, that's true. Yeah, and but maybe there's one wrestler that he really cares about. And Probably, so when he, the problem with Bray is, man, he works heel. But the fans love him, dude. I mean, well, that's a problem with most wrestlers. I mean, today. The fans and I I'll I love to watch Bray Wyatt work. Unbelievably talented. Uh, the storyline, the gimmick, it all fits perfect. But I think that the writing for a character that's good and bad, it's too challenging for the writers to be able to pull off now because, I mean, I don't trust them to be able to pull it off. No. But I actually like the idea that, you know, a guy's not always, the, a guy's not good from this point until this point and then he changes or whatever, that he's. He's caught in the middle at, at some points. How? Okay, here's the problem with that, and this is the problem Luger had. What What was the big turnout of that storyline? Well, eventually, I mean, it really had no conclusion. Exactly. How can you can't? The NWO kind of ruined. There's no way, but even, uh, to be fair, that's true, the NWO did. But I guess they were ultimately building to Luger and Sting, fighting each other. But there was no, there's no way to end a a a gimmick that way. There's no way to... Well, you eventually have to pick a side. But even then, you're still going to be torn. I mean, there's no way to truly end that. You have to go full dark side, or you have to go full good guy, and you're probably going to go full dark side. Right. Ultimately, it didn't have a big climax, but I, that was also because the NWO debuted, right. and it just threw a wrench in everything. That's what's so weird about watching this pay-per-view, is that it looks like it could be from 94. Yeah. But you realize in a few months, everything changes. So Right. This was kind of... The last 
old school WCW pay per view, you could say. Yeah, this is before NWO. And man, it would change it. Like DDP tonight, his world was totally changed from the NWO. He went changed. from the diamond stud he went, he DDP. He became a top guy. Yeah. He went from the diamond stud DDP to Diamond Dallas Page, man of the people, man the people's champion. Yeah, the people's champ, man of the people, which skyrocketed him into stardom unlike any other. So, so up next we have Giant versus Giant. It's Loch Ness, Giant Haystacks. He's coming out to Rey Mysterio Jr.'s theme song before it's Rey Mysterio Jr.'s theme song. Giant is out with Jimmy Hart. This match is easy to call. <laughs> First of all, here's what I want to talk to you about. Loch Ness. Who in the hell is this? He was a famous overseas wrestler. Okay. Scottish guy. I was going to say, because he wasn't famous here. And he didn't even work indies here, because I didn't know him. Oh, no. He uh... he was somebody that, that Eric pulled from overseas he had to have been. He was mainly famous for wrestling. He wrestled in Stampede for a minute in Canada, and he also wrestled in England. Okay. And he was a regular in Germany, so yeah, never in America. Part of the reason they signed him, that World War Three event, they had, uh, they had, they wanted three giants in the ring. They wanted the giant. They had already got um, the Yeti. Yeah. And they wanted a third. And they wanted our boy. What's our uh, boy that uh, job to uh, Undertaker at SummerSlam? Giant Gonzalez. Giant Gonzalez. They wanted Giant Gonzalez, but he said, "I can't. I can't. My knees are too, too shot. I can't do it." So they really wanted this third giant, and they really wanted another giant to challenge Hogan. And so they call up Giant Haystacks. He comes in. Originally, they tease that he's going to take on Hogan, but then he turns out he gets sick, and now he has to fight the giant. And then he fights one more match on Nitro, I think, and then he's gone because he got cancer. He was diagnosed with cancer, like, right after this. Really? So, yeah, he was sick. So this was... He was, he was sick with cancer and couldn't... Well, they didn't know it was cancer at that well, time. But, still. yeah, he was getting sick. The guy, I mean, he was a massive man. The dude was huge. Let's, let's to be fair, Big Show, a.k.a. the Giant. Well, the Giant's in great shape here. It's in great shape here. But still, seven foot four. Yeah, this guy was uh, Giant Haystack, six foot 11, and he was his build weight was 685. And I believe it. I believe it. He was, I mean, he was wider than the... Yes. He was, I would love to know his measurements width-wise because he's he's one of these guys, he's turning sideways going through a doorway. Oh. This dude is huge. Yeah, I imagine booking airfare for this guy. He needs oh, three yeah. seats. Yeah, this is this is the same deal with Andre. This is the same deal with uh, with Yokozuna as it comes to trying to travel. It would be un, 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 unbelievably difficult even though they weren't able to use him with hogan at least here you have your giant put away this giant so you make your giant look stronger right uh giant tries a stinger splash and misses and goes flying out of the ring it was awesome to see paul white doing trying a splash paul white can't get off the ground now no can't do it Loch ness gets the giant down once he gets in the ring he hits a big elbow he misses a second then Giant hits a super kick on Loch Ness and then gets a big leg drop like Hogan, like his boy Hogan, squashes Loch Ness Monster in 2 minutes 34 seconds. A super drop kick. No, it was like a, he stood. It was a... Oh, it was a standing drop kick. No, it was, a, it, was, he, it was like a super kick, like a sweet chin music almost. Really? It wasn't I, as pretty as I that. I missed that part. And he didn't make the sound. He didn't hit his, <laughs> well, hit his leg, yeah. but... 
Yeah, he hit him with a big super kick. and Well, he used to do a big uh, a drop kick, top rope drop yes, kick. Yes, yes, he so did. So that's what I was thinking he did. I, I had I had walked away at a split second for this match, and so I had... Oh, yeah, it's only two minutes, 34 yeah. seconds. After so. knowing that length, I you know kind of skipped through it, not going to lie, because I wasn't entertained. In the in the idea, of the what was match. weird is that he did hit the leg drop to beat Loch Ness as like an insult to Hogan, but he's going to be fighting Flair for the title tomorrow night. So right, I mean it's long term booking, but he 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 needs to be focused on his match tomorrow night. Yeah, Lee Marshall's in the back with Sting and Booker T. Booker T warns the Legion of Doom about coming to 110th Street, even though they're in Mississippi. Then Sting fires up Booker T, and now it's time for their Chicago street fight. Where is 110th Street? I assume it's in Harlem, but it's probably in Houston. Is it close to those uh, the parts unknown? I think so. I think uh, you only get taken to 110th Street when Booker T's kicking your ass. So. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, LOD comes out. Their WCW theme song sucks, man. Their WCW attire sucked. Well, they were at least in the red and black here. They weren't in their blue and black. Yeah. That blue and black was garbage. <laughs> they were in, They looked fine here. Booker T and Sting come out. They come out to Sting's theme. Sorry, even though Booker T's theme is 100 times better than yeah. Man They Called Sting. They're both awesome songs, but yeah. I wish they did like how WWF does now and combine the two if they had said, yes, 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 no, 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 man called, and just you know yeah. tried to tie them together. Somehow. Right, right. Uh, the Road Warriors jump them on the ramp. They're not waiting to get into the ring. Texas Tornado rules here, Patrick. You you are definitely going to have some plunder in this match, baby. <laughs> Hawk and Booker, they pair up, and Sting pairs up with Animal. We go to a split screen, which makes it incredibly difficult to follow both pairs of wrestlers. It was it, This was a difficult match to try to, because I wanted to focus on one screen, and then you miss something on the other. And then sometimes they'd put the same two wrestlers on both, on just different yeah. cameras. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Animal hits a power slam on Booker T, followed by an elbow for a two count. We get Animal running Sting's crotch into the turnbuckle. He wants no part of that and holds the ropes to block it, but he still he didn't want to sell the move. Yeah, no. he didn't. He didn't want his nuts anywhere near the turnbuckle. Uh, he returns a favor to Animal. Then we get Sting body slamming Animal and following it up with an elbow. Booker and Hawk are just on the outside brawling. They aren't in the ring for very much here. Sting hits a bulldog on Animal, then the pair switch off, and now Hawk is with Sting. Animal goes outside with Booker T, who whips Animal to the guardrail. Now Sting and Hawk go outside. Then we get Booker covering Animal on the outside mat for a two-count. So apparently in a Chicago street fight, you can pin anywhere. I didn't know that. Yes. It's false count anywhere, anything goes. Hawk has Sting on the concrete ramp and hits a drop kick on him. That's stupid. That would hurt yourself way more if you connect than if you connected with the guy. Yeah. Than the guy you connected with. Right. Eventually, Hawk gets into the ring with Booker. Animal and Sting want to go play near the cages, near the triple cage. Sting uses a chair on Animal's back, then goes back into the ring, then hits Hawk with it. So this is... Sting's very angry here. He shouldn't be using a chair, but he is. Sting is fired up. Hawk takes a light... The chair shots to the head are very safe. If you're going to get a chair shot to the head, you want them to be like the ones that Sting and Booker delivered to the Road Warriors here. Hawk gets a very light chair shot. Very light. Then Animal gets it and hits Booker T with a light chair shot. Covers him for a two count. We get a Booker T spin wheel kick on Animal. Sting hits a pile driver on Hawk who no-sells it. Stands right back up. 
Hawk's signature thing is no selling, man. He's the no. worst. Yeah. And then he hits a power bomb on Sting. So Animal and Booker are outside while Hawk and Sting are in the ring. Both pairs lock in some rest holds for a while. They're getting tired. Hawk throws Sting into the WCW universe, and they brawl through the crowd for a minute. If Sting and Booker win, Harlem Heat gets the next title shot. So that explains Booker T's motivation here. He replaced Luger because Luger has to fight in the main event. Right. Booker T breaks up a doomsday device attempt. Hawk hits a nice back body drop on Sting. Booker T tries to spin a Rooney, but Animal is laying too close to him, and he can't do it. Sting tries to fly across the ring to hit a splash off the top rope on Animal, but he misses. Booker T nails Hawk with a big kick to the gut. Now everybody's gassed. Booker T and Sting hit a double clothesline on Animal. Sting crotches Hawk on the ropes. Sting tries a crossbody off the top. Animal catches him and turns it into a power slam. Animal covers him, and Sting forgets to kick out, but Nick Patrick saves him by not counting the three. Then we get Booker T finally getting that Spinneroonie in, and he hits the Harlem sidekick on Hawk. He's too tired to cover Hawk, and Hawk then locks in a guillotine choke on Booker T. Sting smashes Animal with a chair, and then Hawk gets smashed with it as well. Then Sting goes back to the back. He leaves the ring and goes back to the locker room area. And he comes out and he's got two brooms. Why did he why out of all the weapons you could choose, Patrick? I really don't. He could just go get know. a gun and come back. Yeah, I really don't know. He went and got a, a pair of brooms. He comes back in and batters Animal and Hawk with it, and before Animal grabs one, breaks it in half and chokes Sting with it. Then Booker T walks out on the match. We think he's abandoning Sting here. No, he's not. He is tricking Road Warrior Animal to follow him to the back. They go backstage, and what do you know? Lex Luger is there posing in the mirror. He is he is combing, flexing. He's combing his hair, and he is flexing, and he is primping. He's worse. getting his baby oil on. Yeah, he's getting ready. He's he gets he's covered in baby oil. Then he gets pushed into animal. Garbage. Animal hits him. Why did animal hit him? He's not in the match. He gets and knocks down into a pile of garbage. Oh no. And that baby oil, that garbage is sticking to him. <laughs> so now Luger is in joining in the attack, and then Stevie Ray runs in from out of nowhere, and they attack Animal. Luger, Stevie Ray, and Booker T tape Animal to a post in the back. And then handcuff him, too. They handcuff him for good measure, but they didn't do that on camera. They We went back and checked in on Animal, and they, yeah. they had handcuffed him. Luger was pissed. He mentions they messed up his baby oil, so he's very upset. Booker goes back to the ring, and now it's two-on-one on Hawk. Sting doesn't know what happened. No. He attempts the Harlem hangover on Hawk, but then Stevie Ray hits Hawk with a chair, and Booker T gets the three in 29-33. You know what you learned in this match? What did you learn? Never mess with a wrestler's baby oil. That's true. Also, I mean, if a guy's just posing in a mirror, don't go mess with him. Yeah, no. He's fresh. You've been in this match for 20 minutes. Yeah. You've been getting your ass kicked. Yeah. This guy is going to pummel you. And he did. And rightly, he got handcuffed. Don't mess. Just keep your hands to yourself. When a man has baby oil in his posing, leave him alone. Yeah, he's in the mirror. But he also wasn't watching the match and, and hoping and crying for his friend Sting like he mentioned he would be. That's true. He was, that was a very good catch. He was posing and oiling himself up. But granted, I mean, he's got a match, too. He can't be watching Sting's match. No, he's got to get ready for our next match. Now, what did you think of uh, the uh, Chicago street fight in Mississippi here? Oh, it was what it was. Too long. Too long. 
30 but, minutes. These guys went nearly 30 minutes. It uh it was what it was. It was uh it was too long, but it was it's a standard Road Warrior Hawk Chicago street fight match. It wasn't extreme enough for me because Dusty mentions getting a plunder. They don't get much plunder. We didn't get much plunder, baby. <laughs> so Dusty wasn't happy. No. Where's the kitchen sink? I'm glad you were booking for WWF a few years later and remembered the kitchen sink at WrestleMania X7. Thank you. Thank you. Now we go to Tony, Dusty, and Bobby. Shivani says the rules are very simple for this triple cage match. And they're not. They're not, but they're not even mentioned. <laughs> they, he doesn't. Here's all he says. Hogan and Savage must start at the top cage. Okay? They work their way down. They must go through every man to win the match. That's all they say. They have to go through every man. They don't have to pin them. If yes. you If you're pinned, you're eliminated. That's how it should have been. No, they did say that. No, they said that if, if Hogan and Savage get pinned, then they're the, eliminated. If Hogan and Savage get pinned, the match is over. If Hogan and Savage pin somebody, that person is eliminated. They did say that. I'm not sure. Man. They did say I'll that. Put it, I'll splice it in here, and you can listen. Try All to right. figure out these rules. Remember how I complained about War Games having too many rules? At least those were laid out for you. This At least be the... Rules, I understand, are very simple. Hulk Hogan, the Macho Man, Randy Savage will begin at the top. Is like a gauntlet. Yeah. Once they get through a cage, if they win in that particular cage, then those men would be eliminated till they work their way down to the bottom. They can pin Hulk Hogan or beat Macho Man Randy Savage at any time. But Hogan and Savage must go through every man to win their match. Tony, you're talking about rules. They don't care about rules. There's not going to be any rules. They're going to get in that cage, and they're going to go after the big white tiger, Hulk Hogan. Uh, yes. So, Bobby correctly. Now, Bobby Heenan gets it right, and he says to Tony, hey, the rules don't matter. Well, that's true, because... <laughs> We're not sure what they are. And, and Michael Buffer's got the mic. He's going to intro the Doomsday Cage. It's an event like no other. Are you ready? <laughs> I said. I said. Are you ready? Now. Sorry, just wanted to do my Michael Buffer. I know. I know. You you chose the life of a referee, not a ring announcer. Hey, you know, it's a tough life. Now, here's a few problems with the Doomsday Cage. Before we get to the end of the match, and I really give out about the Doomsday Cage. <laughs> there are 9,000 people at this venue. Yes. Where would you put this cage, Patrick? Where would you think would be a good place to put this giant monstrosity of a cage? In the middle of the 9,000. That's a good place to put it. That is a good... You are a smart thinker. Gold star for you. It is so big that you. It was the stage for the pay per view. This this uh, this pay per view. They used it as an entryway, yes. But they positioned. You, you walked it. under the scaffolding to carry the guys stepped up to start at the top and work their way down. That was literally that was the entryway. That was the the staging for this pay per view. Now, what do you think the problem is with putting this giant cage at the entryway, Patrick? I don't know, Alex. Well, unfortunately, there are no one no one is sitting behind this thing. Right. And no one is really sitting around it. It is off to one side and one side only. So and there are also no jumbotrons in this arena. So uh, if you paid money to see this match, you are screwed. I see your point. No jumbotrons. Because see, I was thinking, well, you got the jumbotron. Oh, you're just fine. put it on the Titan yeah. Tron. No, you're right. 
I didn't even notice that. Good eye. There was no there was no jumbotrons hanging. I hope they over. gave most of these tickets away. I hope that people didn't actually. Well, that was it. WCW. Yeah, they had to fill the arena. But yeah, that. this should have been in the center of when they do war games. When they do, uh, well, the, World the, the War damn III. thing. The damn thing's too big to put in the center. I know, but it could have been off a little bit to the left of center. It doesn't have to be the center. Actually, you know what? It's called uncensored. There's a ring in it. You could have had all the matches in the in the bottom thing. Save the top two tiers for the main event. Yeah, but, but then the cage any... becomes part of it's every match. It could have become technically uh, if the pay per view lived up to its own billing. <laughs> it should have been a part of every match anyway. Because what am I going to do if I have a match with you? I'm going to drag you over there. That's true. Because that's what they did in the street fight. Yeah. I mean. Number that's what Kevin Sullivan did with uh well later on here yeah we'll I mean, see in just a minute it, it, it happened you're right it happened in a lot of the this thing is a cluster waiting to happen <laughs> eight men eight men will be tasked with ending Hulkamania Ric Flair is out with woman and Miss Elizabeth double A Arn Anderson snaps. who's wrestling in his pajamas for some reason Ric Flair no Arn oh Arn you notice no, he starts- Arn is in sweatpants. Yeah, he's in what I sleep in, and and a nitro shirt. I mean, he and he's got his boots on. Towards he's, the end of the match, he gets in his jocks, but at first, yeah, he's just in his pajamas. Well, hell no! Do you want to be in, in damn tights rolling oh, around on smart. the? Smart. He's smart. He doesn't want to get cut by the cage. Because you're where they ended up starting the match. You're not going to want to take bumps on steel. I mean, metal cage grating and getting cut. I don't want to get cut on my butt. <laughs> also, Ric Flair, he's the WCW world champ, doesn't come out with his belt, Patrick. No, no belt. You always take that belt with you everywhere you go. Well, I mean, where was he going to put it, though? Seriously. He still should have had it on, right. just to show that he's the champ. What, give it to woman? Yeah, he had valets to take it away. He did have, he had woman. Miss and Elizabeth. Miss Elizabeth. Okay, second, number two, you have Savage, who came over from WWE the exact same time he came over. We'll talk about this. We'll talk about okay. this. Okay. We'll get we'll get that at the end. I had something to say about that too. Then we get Kevin Sullivan, the Taskmaster. He's followed by Lex Luger, the Faces of Fear, Ming and the Barbarian, Lexi, Lexi, Z Gangsta, and the Ultimate Solution. They are announced, but they don't come out with the, all the. They heels. don't come out yet. Now Flair and Arn are going to be in the top cage. Now right away, this is bad booking because your champ is the first guy to get through. Well, the whole point is you don't have the full four horsemen. You only have Flair and Arn. Right. Well, Benoit's in Japan. And we we talked about why yeah, you Pillman's didn't have gone. Pillman. So you only have half. And more or less, it's the Dungeon of Doom that we're really feuding with Hogan. So I would serve up Flair and Arn. They shouldn't have been first, man. It's It's now on... Okay. Booking side of it... I would have served them up. Now, looking back at it, it's freaking Ric Flair and Arn Anderson. You, ne- who in the hell is dumb enough to put them up to serve them up first? Is I agree, but booking side of it with this is where booking and and common sense doesn't always mix. Booking side of it, it's mostly the the uh, the rest of the group that are having the serious problem with with Hogan. Which is why this match is happening, because of that storyline. Right. So why not serve them up first and get them out of the way? Well, also, when they were booking this match, you'll see that, spoiler alert, 
none of them have to to do a job in the in the top in the first two portions anyway. What ends up happening? Oh yeah, nobody gets pinned. Right. So it doesn't. I guess it really doesn't matter what order they go in when they're not gonna they're not gonna get beaten. No. But they do kind of get beaten, but they don't really. We'll talk about it. Yeah, we'll get into it. It's confusing. Okay. This is No Holds Barred. Not the movie, but the stipulation. Hogan and Macho Man come out to Hogan's music. It's always got to be Hogan, man. Hey, if I'm coming out with you, brother, they're going to hit my theme music, brother. So Macho doesn't get his own entrance. This is is how you do it right here. You ready? Yeah. Are you ready? Yeah, let's do it. You sure? Okay. Well, you know something, brother. (laughs) When me and Alex, when me and intern Alex were coming in to do the radio station tonight, brother... All of a sudden, on our giant 747, the wings just blew right off. So you know what I did, brother? I stuck my big 24-inch pythons out the window, and I landed us to safety, brother. Oh, yeah, brother. <laughs> and what did I do? I just sat there. That's what you do best. Yeah, that's what Macho Man does. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, and uh, Hogan, brilliant mind, everything, but in all honesty. Hot dog and grandstander. That's, that's Hogan, man, and that's what's made Hogan. And Hogan. this whole match is just to serve his ego. It really <laughs> It is. <laughs> so they go up. They have to, <laughs> to start the match. You it's a you have to work your way from the top. They down. have to go up three flights of stairs. Now, luckily, while the heels were going up the three flights of stairs, we cut away to see Hogan and Savage entrance. But now we have to follow Hogan and Savage. A we, poor cameraman follows them up every we single have step. A, we, <laughs> we have a cameraman in front and in back, right, going up every step of these four. Tier scaffold steps, and Hogan looks confused as he's going up it. Which do I, where am I supposed to go in? Where are we starting this damn thing? Okay, <laughs> all right, yeah. So they they are going to start on the top tier cage where Flair and Arn Anderson are waiting for them. Flair tears Macho Man's shirts off and starts chopping him. Bobby says there's going to be no wrestling in that ring. Boy, he was right. He's right on the money. <laughs> the Dungeon of Doom and Lex Luger just stand below. And watch. They have to just stand there and watch this whole thing because they are on the second cage below. Hogan hulks up on Flair. Macho Man chokes Arn with Hulk's shirt. Vicious. The Dungeon of Doom hold Macho Man down with his pant tassels. Yeah, they're Smart. reaching up. And so Arn gets a figure four on Hogan and Flair gets a figure four on the Macho Man. Then Flair passes a weapon down to the Dungeon of Doom. I couldn't tell what it was. What was it, Patrick? It was powder. I don't. I didn't think the heels used powder. It was powder. Because the face is used powder. It, everybody used powder in this match. Hogan and Savage, they snuck powder into the ring. Not very good faces. No. Not very face-like. He's having a WrestleMania 9 flashback, and he's, he throws powder. Hogan and Macho throw powder into the faces of Flair and Arn Anderson. This allows them to escape. Yes, they climb down into the second door. tier out of the trap door. and uh, Flair and Arn just have to lay there. Pretty much. Okay. so Now we're down there. And it's Hogan, Randy, Ming, Barbarian. Right. There's a divider in the second There's cage. a divider. And then on the other side of this second level, you have Sullivan, Sullivan and, and, and Flexi Lexi. Yeah. So the Faces of Fear and the Mega Powers are doing battle in their side of the cage. Hogan decides, you know what? I'm just going to lock these guys in here. <laughs> he does. So, and it takes him forever to do it, but he, he gets he, it done. He cannot, He keeps dropping the lock, and they're afraid it's going to go through the, the cell down to the floor. He snuck a chain in, too. Yeah. So he throws, basically, Randy goes in there and starts working with Savage and Luger. 
I mean, uh, Randy goes in there, starts working with uh, Sullivan and Luger, and uh, and Hogan goes in, shuts the door, locks up the faces of locks fear. up the faces of uh, locks up Ming and Barbarian, which also will lock up Flair and Arn Anderson because if they choose to come through the the and trap they, door, they do. Yeah, they're locked in there too now. They're locked in there too. So the problem with this is. Is if I had to be a part of this match, I want to be either Ming or Barbarian because they didn't do jack squat. No, they had the best job. They took three punches and then laid there for about two minutes, not even that. And then even and then got locked out. And even though later in the match, Arn and Flair will resurface, but the faces of fear, no, they just they went home. They they got their paychecks and they went to the house. They went yeah, they went out to the bar. They are done. So now, Ar- yeah, Arn and Flair come down to join the Faces of Fear. They're locked in there. They're locked out there. So you've got now Sullivan and Hogan and Luger and Savage. Right. Hogan and Sullivan go out to the scaffolding area, and Hogan tries to kick Sullivan off the scaffold. <laughs> Hogan is going <laughs> they to are, murder Kevin At this Sullivan. point in time, they are three stories up on the scaffold, and he really is trying to kick him off. And... Uh, then Hogan and Sullivan have to walk and brawl down the scaffolding. Luger and Savage are fighting in the second tier still. They're still in the cage. Hogan and Savage make it out to the flo- the floor. And then Luger appears out of nowhere. He's suddenly there. And then Savage comes bolting off of the stairs. And so now all four guys are now out on the floor outside the cage. S- Savage was really, really excited in this match. He took some pretty... Some far runs, some far jumps. I mean, stuff that, like, if I'm wrestling you, I'm going to be like, dude, calm down, slow down. Hogan and Sullivan walked to the main ring where all the Everything real wrestling happened. happened. Yes. Yeah. Hogan grabs Michael Buffer's microphone and smacks Sullivan with it, <laughs> knocks the batteries out of it. What a jerk. He's breaking equipment now. Now he's costing us money. We get a big boot to Sullivan. He goes down. And the announcers mention the rest of the heels have broken out of the second tier of the cage. Why didn't they run out to help right now? Because. They were eliminated, they were eliminated, in Shivani's words. But they're not eliminated, as you'll see later. Okay. So eventually, Hogan, Luger, Savage, and Sullivan are all in the main ring. And now this is where you really get to enjoy Lex Luger's loud selling. Anytime he gets chopped or punched, he goes, Ah! 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 Did you notice this? Yes. That is, that is the way Lex Luger sells. All the way back from 1988. So, I mean, that's just, that's a Luger cell job. Hogan attacks Luger with a chair. He is wrestling very heelish, this Hulk Hogan guy. We, we, hey, you know. He's always, oh, well, oh, you think this is a premonition? You gotta wait for it. But whose side is he on? Whose side is he on? Luger returns the favor by smashing him with a chair. Then the faces bash the heels together. They run them into each other. Now we get the real main event, Patrick, because Z-Gangster and the Ultimate Solution are out next. And uh, we talked about it. Uh, Tiny Lister and Robert Swanson. Giant man. This, in all honesty, this is the extent of of, uh, Rob Swanson's, Robert Swanson's career right here. This was was the high note. Well, this is... uh, his televised, you know, nationally career. Because, I mean, he did have the run in world ch- in world class. Well, I mean, but this is the high note of his wrestling career. Oh, this is he probably never, the most he ever got paid. He never did anything, I mean, other than this. Right. Really and truly. And uh, Tiny Lister, who, 
<laughs> was a part of SummerSlam, uh, is probably wishing that we could go back to SummerSlam because this was shit. <laughs> yeah, they grab Hogan and Macho Man and walk and brawl them back to the cage. They get into the bottom floor of the cage. Uh, Ultimate Solution hits a body slam, I think on Macho Man. Ultimate Solution hits a body slam on Macho Man. Yeah. Z Gangster chokes Hogan. Yeah. Then Arn and Flair, even though they were eliminated, Patrick, they come back into the cage. And Arn's got his, his gear on now. Now he's ready to wrestle. He's ready to go. Jimmy Hart has a laugh while the heels batter the faces. I mean, they're outnumbered. <laughs> this is not looking good for them. Then the booty man sneaks in some powder and frying pans. Very vicious <laughs> plastic frying pans to Macho Man and Hogan. Now, it's very odd choice of weaponry, but also... Booty man, hop in and fight with us. <laughs> Don't just give us stuff. Here you go. I'll be. I'll see you later. Savage, well, you just won Kimberly Page. <laughs> Savage takes this frying pan and hits Ultimate Solution so hard he breaks the handle. The handle of. snaps, and this thing just goes flying. <laughs> I, I would advise against using plastic pans on your oven. You are going to have a real mess on your hands. Yeah. Then these aren't metal. This is how we know they're plastic because they actually break. Well, they break and they just bend. I yeah, mean, the, this was <laughs> you kill somebody if you hit them with a real pan. I mean, imagine they got cast iron from like South Pittsburgh or something. I mean, just <laughs> nailed them. Just your head would go flying off. And here we go, the end of the match because Lex Luger is to the rescue. Lex Luger comes out now. He was supposedly eliminated, Slips too. Slips on the weighted glove. Which is just a regular it's glove. It's just a regular latex Why does he need that? black glove. It's weighted, though. It is. And takes off running. Stops. Stutters. Stutter steps, but I wouldn't even call this a stutter. He just, like, stops for a good... He could have six, he could have stopped himself. Six ten seconds. Hogan bends over. No, it was Macho Man. Oh, Macho bends over, catches Ric Flair. Ric Flair straight to the face, and you hear Hogan go, "All right, let's get out of here." Yeah, and so Savage they don't and know Hogan. How the match works. So Savage and Hogan start walking out of the cage, and then and then Hogan goes, "Oh shit! Oh yeah, you got you go got to go pin him." So he grabs. Savage and basically just throws Savage in there by his Savage back runs his... back in there, covers Flair. One, two, three. While, while the rest of the heels just stand around. There are seven guys standing there, <laughs> like, what? What's he doing? Well, not set. There's only. Let's see here. You have. There's only six guys standing around because the faces of fear went home for the night. Right. You have six guys standing right there. What? 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 He's on top of the count. One, two, three. Am I supposed to do something? Huh? It was ridiculous. Everybody, yeah, everybody stands around Macho Man's pins Ric Flair and ends this train wreck of a match <laughs> in 25 minutes and 16 seconds. Okay. Now, now's where we get to the real... You can go ahead with the thought you had earlier. All right. Sorry. Well, I've got a couple thoughts. Number one, Doomsday Cage, great idea. Great idea on paper. On this paper. Is... But yeah. Don't have them have to leave the damn cage to go down to the first pier. Right. Well, that is that is just the slightest of problems in all the problems in this match. Number one, you either need to set another 
Trap door. Trap door for them to – and a ladder set up for them to climb they down. They shouldn't be allowed to leave. Something. You should not be allowed to actually leave the cage to have to go all the way down to the floor to enter into the bottom cage. I f- they felt obligated to probably go to the main ring because no one could see what's going on. And that's That was what I – you took it right out of my mouth. That was number two. Like you said, location-wise, they actually had to go and put on most of the match outside away from the damn cage just so the fans felt like they got their money's worth – Sitting around this regular ring. And with not, nothing going on. With nothing going on. Number three, you have this ending that made everybody in the ring look like idiots. Oh, yeah. I mean, including Some Luger, the, the guy that knocked Flair out. Right. Some of the biggest guys, biggest names in our sport, Arn Anderson, Ric Flair, having to actually stand there and play off like they're, they're dumbasses and don't know what's going on. Just for Randy Savage to pin the world champ, the world champ, Ric Flair. I mean, you've got Luger, you've got Sullivan. Mil- why not have Z Gangster or why not Ultimate Solution? Why take did the fall? we not have something like handcuffs around each part of the cage? Oh, good, yeah. And they handcuff once. Now Z Gangster can't get over there, and you have them. They're they're trying every way in the world, but it's just. Out of their reach to where they can't break the pin. Any reason, yeah. Something, instead of having them look around like they got their thumbs up their butts trying to figure out what to do. Now, number four has nothing to do with the match. Number four is just a history. I'm mad and I want to complain. You have Randy come over from WWE. With him comes Miss Elizabeth. Why do you not put Miss Elizabeth with Randy? Why do you immediately put Miss Elizabeth with Ric Flair? I understand woman. Get that. Landing to valet. Well, yeah. Well, they didn't tell you. You didn't know that woman was Kevin Sullivan's wife. Right. At the time, you know, you didn't know that. But you're missing my point, though. Why would you separate Randy and Miss Elizabeth when it has worked for so many years beforehand and put her with Rick? I mean, my only explanation is that since they were actually divorced by this point, that Randy probably just thought it would be weird. I mean, they did work together when he was in the NWO eventually, and she would say, escort him out a little bit. They got married again at this point in time. They were married twice, mm, right? No. They this was they were had been divorced for a couple of years now. Oh, they had? Okay. Yeah. And he got her the job in the thing, because I don't think she wanted to come back. So he got her the job in WCW. According to the documentary about... Savage that came out like last year, according to Lanny Poffo. So still, I, even even if it's just on camera, yeah, she should have been with him. That that was just that was one I wanted to kind of. That throw was too well. That was part of the feud with Flair earlier in the year. Is that she had taken all of Randy's money? Yes, but the feud was over, and Randy won. Yeah, but you don't get your girl back. I guess I don't know. <laughs> Only if you're the booty babe do you are you a prize in fights. I don't know. I would, I'd have Miss Elizabeth over the booty babe. She was a part of the original Mega Powers. That's right. And so you have the Mega Powers. Right. She's the manager of the Mega Powers. I would have given her a role as she screwed them up, got involved in the finish or something, and then you have to go back and date. But, oh, well, she's a part of the Mega Powers. Right. Well. We should have known that. I, I mean, also have hist- historical problems with the match. All In right. addition to all the regular problems with the match. All right. Okay. Take off. Timeline-wise, history-wise, here's my problem with the match. 
And then all I'll right. get into all the things about the match. Okay. But, um, Zeus was a tag team partner with King Macho Man Randy Savage. Yes. In the No Holds Barred TV match he had against Brutus the Barber Beefcake and Hulk Hogan. Yes. And here you have brought Zeus back, and now he's fighting against his old tag team partner. You could have had Macho Man turn on Hogan yes. in the match. I mean, why is Macho Man always Hogan's bitch? And like, I agree. Even If I have my pick, I'm going to tell you right now, anybody knows me knows I am straight up all about some Macho Man. Well, yeah, but... And so, yeah, in this match, you brought Zeus back or whatever, so I figured... For once in Hogan's selfish freaking life... Can we get the spotlight on Randy? Never. Or does it always have to be the hell about freaking Hulk Hogan? Yeah. Now, the problems with the match, there are so many problems with the match. (laughs) You agree with me, though. Good idea on paper. Yeah, because they've... WCW was all about quantity and just... And ramping it up, like... World War Three, which really doesn't work. But, like, War Games. War Games is a good example of something that's big, that's like... It works. And it worked... Well, it worked a lot. And... I would love to see it back. On paper, what's the difference, really, in theory, between that and a triple cage? That I mean, you could make it just as vicious, you know. And... I love the triple cage. I would love to see the triple cage... Well, they didn't... Make its return. They didn't even use the cage to its fullest extent. No. This was a full-sized three-deck cage, unlike the Slambury 2000 one that, where it was a really small top piece and It was different-sized tiers. Yeah, this was like a full-size cage all the way up. All the way up, and with there was no, welded-together tiers. Uh, a dusty argument. Not enough plunder. Not enough plunder, baby. No. There's, there was no toys for them to play with in there. Also... Yeah, you can't have your world champ and Arn in the top tier. If that's the... You had to have had... That should have been the faces of fear up there. Uh, I agree. Um, also, you should. this should have been an elim- elimination match. Yes. Where they... Randy and... and Randy and Hogan should have had to pin the Gaunt- faces of gauntlet fear. Gauntlet style. Yes. Basically, where they not only are having to go through them, but you have to pin, fall, or submit and eliminate each one person. Each yeah. individual person. I and, agree. In that case, you probably would have had to tone it down on the amount of people going against these two guys because no way eight guys could lose to two people. This is Hulk Hogan. He would make it 20 to 1 and still win. <laughs> well, I know. I know, but, okay, I would have just cut out. Well, they're the major part of the Dungeon of Doom. Uh, I'm just trying to cut it down to where it's believable that these two guys can battle through Three stages. This is the real three stages of hell, basically. It really is. This is yeah. that, that's how it should have been, but yeah. it's not. No, it's just whenever they get tired, they can just go to the next tier, and then the guys get left behind. Oh, there's just so many problems with how they how they did this. Great, that, great gimmick, great idea, bad booking. Oh yeah, and I think Kevin Sullivan. It's a great booker. Kevin Sullivan is a great wrestling mind. This was a Kevin Sullivan screw-up. Well, and a Hogan. I mean, Hogan had his hand in his own match. Oh, well, Hogan's got his hand in everything that's professional wrestling that he's involved in, so yeah. But, yeah. And, I mean, even with all the flaws in the match, it still stunk. Even for even for the way it was, it had no chance to succeed, the way it was structured. There was no way it could be good. 
No. So anyway, overall. Would you like to see a Doomsday Cage match again? Under better roles, under better gulping, under WWE banner. Under WWE banner, would you like to see a Doomsday Cage again? I'm going to say no because the Elimination Chamber or like the Armageddon Hell in a Cell, could you can achieve the same goal even without having the three cages you could if you made the cages different enough i guess in some way to make it well, the armageddon hell in a cell is was a one-time thing well i know but i think i think elimination chamber war games and they're not going to do this but i think get rid of hell in a cell and have the the triple tier cage that be your hell in a cell three i would call it three stages of hell in a cell <laughs> I mean, I'm being, I think, I'm being dead serious. I think one of the problems with it, it's too awkward, the transition between the two ca- between the levels. If you have the trap doors and things like that, of that nature, like we had the triple tier cage from 2000 from the Raid Rumble movie is probably the best idea. I would, and I'd like to see that make a comeback. You had the right amount of weapons. Not only when you got to the top cage, or when you got to the second cage, you had to get the bolt cutters to go up to the very top cell to cut the chain to get in to get the prize. Maybe. I, I don't know. I'm just not sure. <laughs> I would rather I would rather have the triple tier Raid Rumble cage cell match over a regular Hell in a Cell. You can accomplish the exact same amount of blood and all that and the and violence with more more flair and flash in the triple cage. I just don't think it adds enough <clears throat> at this point. If they did it right, I, I I'd I'll give it another look. You know, if if they were to, you know, I'd give it a chance if they tried it. But I don't if they tried it again and it failed, I'd never go. I back. don't think they'll never try it. Oh yeah, I don't think so either. Well, now they're trying to save money, so. WWE is. Yeah, yeah, so building a three-tiered cage is kind of What are wasteful. your thoughts on, I mean, we're, we're talking about, this whole match was a cage match, so we're, we're talking about cages here. What's your thought on WWE doing war games? Do you think it's, rumors have been going around that Vince is actually, Triple H has sold him on the idea of doing a war games. Yeah, I think that, w- I think it would be fine. Uh, a Roman Reigns, John Cena, against the club and you know and at this point in time you throw Finn Balor in there so you have Finn Balor Luke Gallows Carl Anderson and AJ Styles versus Roman Reigns John Cena Dolph Ziggler and another baby yeah I I think it would be if it was you know it's just all about the execution with this stuff yeah and because that those are the names that is re- realistically those are the names thrown around for doing the very first WWE war games. Yeah, it'd be worth it'd be worth a shot to see it again, sure. But uh, you know, it's just all hell in your book and yeah. uh, ha- the execution of it. You know, uh, right? The performers have to come ready to play. You know, yeah. This is and the PG. This you have to kill the PG era in this match. If there's not blood in that match, you kill it. I think it there would was still not be okay war- without blood. There was not a single war games without blood. You cannot have 
that's the whole point of war games is you're going to war. Yeah, but I th- I don't I, I think you can still do it without blood. It's it's it be if it's still a good match, it's still a good match. There it's are great a, wrestling matches without blood out there. Yeah. No, I agree. I'm just saying, you know, it's hard to pull off when you're doing a cage match and you don't have blood in it. What are your thoughts on this card overall? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, as a kid, loved it. <laughs> oh, my God. As a 28-year-old looking back at it now, <laughs> this was shit. <laughs> Uh, no, it was a little better than that. It was, it was, you know, it was a little higher up than just a pile of crap. It was, uh, it was the sense and the sign and the signal that we had to have the NWO because Nitro had done what it was going to do and it was on its way back down. Yeah, it was time to shake up, uh, get rid of the cartoony gimmicks and yeah. the Dungeon of Doom and all that stuff. Yeah, there's some good to be had on this card. The Regal and Fit Finley match, I think in 2016. If it was a little bit shorter, with because the the fan base is a lot more knowledgeable on wrestlers now, you it know? would it would work now. Oh yeah, they'd be going crazy for something like this. It like, would you would not have seven matches of Sheamus and and uh, Cesaro. You'd be having seven matches with Regal and Finley. Well, but if just to have wrestlers like that, like big. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, even if Cesaro... Cesaro goes out and has great matches, and the internet loves it. So, I think that... See, I'm not... Hard-hitting... Two hard-hitting European wrestlers, Sheamus and Cesaro, could have this match. And it'd be fine. Now, we've seen this match. You know, they don't wrestle... Fit Finley was hitting a lot harder than any wrestler is hitting in WWE today. Oh, yeah. Fit Finley was, I mean... I mean, just if you had a really a blood feud and they had this kind of match where it was just mostly big strikes and mat and grounded mat based, you know, chain rest, wrestling, chain wrestling, rest holds, and that kind of stuff. I think it would it would work today. But this was not the audience to try it on in, in Tupelo, Mississippi. Uh, no, this is this is deep rooted south. Every match on this card was just too long, man. Yeah. That, it would have been a really good Clash of the Champions card. I mean, you couldn't put the Triple Cage on free TV, but outside of the main event, if this was a Clash of the Champions, this would have been awesome. Oh, yeah. Um, because it would have, all the matches would have been shorter. And it just if this was a two-hour show instead of a three-hour show, I think it would have been perfect. The most entertaining match on this card? In Medusa my, and Robert Parker. Medusa and Rob Parker. It is, and it's short enough, too. It was. It told a story. Well, the logic behind it blows my mind, but it's fine. <laughs> it was it was entertaining. Comment the commentators. You bought into it because Dusty was buying into it. Well, I was just and, I got a, a chuckle out of hearing how much Dusty enjoyed. And I, for anybody who knows Rob Parker and and all that, and knows the fact that he got in there and the first thing he did was lock up with her, is hilarious in and of itself. Because Rob Parker. I mean, that that's just, you know, realistically, she should have kicked his ass in a matter of minutes. But uh, it, it was just, it was entertaining, and it was the best match on the card. So on our rating scale, where would you put this one? Right, Mysterio. I was going to say Juventud Guerrera, so we're so pretty we're, we're close. we're pretty close. Yeah. Uh, 
doesn't have the talent of either of those guys, but no, it's, no. it's it's short on the height scale. So yeah, it was average. Yeah, I mean a little bit below average. A little below average. Yeah, little below average. A a shorter vanilla midget, if you will. <laughs> if you will. If you will, baby. Well, I hold the clipboard for this you week. You do. You you are the booker. You are the shot caller. You are whatever they want to call it. What is your pick? Where are we going? You respect me, booker man. Because, well, this card featured a historic retirement match of Diamond Dallas Page. Oh, what could have been, Patrick? Yes. What could have been? So sad. So we're going to fast forward, and we're going to switch wrestling leagues as we go to the World Wrestling Federation in the year of 2000, and we are going to check out the retirement match of another man that we knew and loved, Mick Foley, as he takes on Hunter Hearst Helmsley at No Way Out 2000. No Way Out 2000. As Cactus Jack puts his career on the line to be champ one more time. One more Will time. it work out for him, Patrick? I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. Hopefully one day he can land a good job maybe as like a commissioner or yeah. like a general manager. You know. We can find other stuff for him to do. Right. I think. I think he's going to be okay. Maybe he could even t- try stand-up comedy or something. That or, mean, I mean, have his own, bring cameras into his house and have his own family show. Right. Maybe he could have an attractive daughter. Yeah. Like 20 years from now. Right. Who wants to be a wrestler and we could make a show out of it. See? You know. So we'll see what happens to this young and up-and-comer Mick Foley in his retirement match against Triple H at No Way Out. But until next time, for the Retro Wrestling Podcast, I'm Intern Alex. And I am the one and only, the greatest referee in professional wrestling history, Patrick Young. Saying, as always, my closing line's a close line. Bingo, bango. All right. We did it. I'm going to tell you what, she is an athletic person. And, and if Parker thought he going to come in here and run a monk and make, <laughs> make a mockery, oh, my goodness gracious. American dream. He did. Oh, 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 oh. Well, I've lost it here. I mean, I ain't never seen nothing like this. Working hard with his hands. He's just a common man. Working hard for the man. Chevy, I mean, smack him. And broke clean! Oh! Somebody bring my medicine.